Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Well played, sir. Well played. Folks, we've all been, we all got, we all got sucked in, folks. We all got sucked in. I'm actually embarrassed to say I got sucked in. I never get fooled with these things, but tip of the cap to you, sir. Zach Kalaros, not only not only are you the greatest comeback story in NFL or in CFL history, not only are you one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, not only are you a reigning two-time most outstanding player, and think about that, coming back from a concussion, that is amazing. And that's not being sarcastic. That is amazing. They should be doing, if they want to get into the streaming service, there should be a story on a, the CFL website or somewhere, Netflix, about Zach Kolaris's football journey and everything he went through, okay? And I'm not saying that to be sarcastic or a jerk. And, and folks... He's a two-time Grey Cup champion. He's played in the last three Grey Cups. Arguably the best quarterback. Well, no, he is the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League. Although, I think we're all seeing he's not having an MOP season. He's starting to... His game's starting to slip. All right? At least it has been recently. But I will tell you what. This guy has added to his resume. Not only is he all that... Not only is he all that, he is an outstanding Oscar award-winning actor. He went down like somebody hit him. I watched that game three times. He went down like somebody hit him with a, with a sniper shot from se- section 600 at Mosaic Stadium. And you know, it was funny. Nobody even was concerned that he was hurt on the Winnipeg side. He went to the sidelines for a whole three plays, and nobody, nobody looked at him. In fact, he was so hurt, nobody threw a flag. Not one person threw a flag. Like, they didn't throw a flag. Al Bradbury had to call down and go, Hey, guys, I think you better throw a flag. Okay, flag. Let's, let's, let's move him, move him up. Nobody, nobody even looked at the guy. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. What a, Denzel Washington was my favorite actor, but now it's Zach Kalaros. Stand up, sir. You've added to your resume. But then, Zinger, I went back. The beauty of social media, you wouldn't have had this in the 80s. I went and I watched. 
I watched on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Twitter feed. By the way, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, like the riders, they do a great job of social media. I went to their Twitter feed. And do you know, I listened back. Listen, listen here. Listen to this. Wait a second here. Let me get this ready to go. Listen to this clip, folks. And then I'll talk about it. Listen to this. So this was right after the game, okay? Right after the game. When, when Zach Kalaros is already on to the next game. He's already thinking about how can I get an edge on the Rough Riders. Okay? Listen. We were pretty heated on the sidelines after that hit by Robertson. What did you see on that play? What did you see? Saw a guy hit by me. Yeah. You think the league will do anything about it? I'm not sure. You've been, in this, you've been around for a long time. What, you, what, would you, what would your assumption be? I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Surprise you. It happens all the time. Second time in three weeks that Zach Kalaros has called the league out. Remember? Three or four weeks. Remember when he went down and he, he got hit by uh, Coney Ely where there was no flag on that play? When he was making a football play and Coney Ely was just playing football and hit the guy? And everybody was like, oh my gosh! And then he kind of insinuated, not word for word, but insinuated that they never protect quarterbacks and there'd be a lot more guys still playing in the league, but they don't feel safe. So then he says that. By the way, either time he hasn't been fined, which sets a dangerous precedence. Now anybody can call out the league and not get fined. If if it's fair and fair, if it's not pick and choose, Mike O'Shea compared the officiating to ice cream flavors, apparently. Now it's not that that's not that bad, but you're still calling out the league. You're basically calling the league a clown show. Neither of those guys were were fined. Neither of the, neither of them were fined. So this, the, this is brilliant. What a brilliant move by Zach Kalaros, folks. Check this out. He lost. Fair and square, he lost. Then what does he do? He's like, how do I get the edge on these? I am going to see if the CFL takes my cheese. I'm going to whine, and I'm going to say they don't protect us. You th- Let's hear it again. Let's hear it again. Let's hear it again. This is after the game. This is after the game. Ready? Here we go. Preheated on the sidelines after that hit by Robertson. What did you see on that play? What did you see? Saw a guy hit by me. Yeah. You think the league will do anything about it? I'm not sure. You've been in this. You've been around for a long time. What, you, what would you? What would your assumption be? I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely was yeah. Surprise you. It happens all the time. An Oscar a winning. Oh, Oscar award-winning football player and a master manipulator. He should be writing wrestling programs. Vince McMahon should sign this guy today. Unbelievable what he did because see what he did here was now he he knows the league is not going to he knows they're going to cave because it's the great blue bombers. We say what we say and everybody caves to us. So what happens is now he doesn't have to face Pete Robertson. And then somehow if the league didn't suspend Pete Robertson, he'd get to say, it's us against the league. It's Bomber Nation against the league. So you see, it was win-win for Zach Kalaros. And we all bought it. We all bought it. We bought the dive. Nobody looked at him. He wasn't hurt. We Now listen, I'm going to point this out before everybody blows up social media. I do not condone what Pete Robertson did. I do not condone that. He got suspended. There we go. And as Glenn Suter yesterday said, that better be the new precedent. Although if you watch the BC Montreal game, Tyrese Beverett headbutts Andrew Pearson, which I guess 
Neither of those guys are considered marquee, so maybe their safety isn't the same. I don't know how it works, but apparently we have a new precedent set. And we have a new precedent after the game. You can just say whatever you want, and it's no big deal. So I hope, I hope the, the, you know, no, you know what? We're going to take a break, and I'm going to tell you on the other side how we should be approaching this if we're the Rough Rider. If I was a Rough Rider coach, how I'd be approaching it. You can weigh in, 936-6262. You can call that number. You can call one 866 You can text that number to 936-6262. Powered by the Capital Auto Group. Uh, here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Michael Ball back here. On the sports cage, voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Over there is the voice of the U of R Ram, Sean Kleisinger, and our awesome reporter, Blaine Weiland, joining us too. Um, Riders are uh, honoring, obviously, the Plaza of Honor 2013 team. They're bringing back, uh, they announced today, first of many announcements, Corey Sheets coming back, Tyron Brackenridge, Tristan Jackson, Chris Getzlaff, and Neil Hughes. More announcements to come. Joining me here is Blaine Weiland. First day of practice, Blaine, and uh, Mason Fine was working out. Philip Blake was back, too. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was all surprises all over the place, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it was Mason Fine, Philip Blake was back, a little shifting at uh, right and left tackles, uh, Pete Robertson was there speaking as well. Yeah, it was quite the day for the start off the week. We're going to get the audio from all those, uh, you know, I think we got a hold of Lofton today, yeah. Pete Robertson and Jake Dolagala. I don't I don't know what, how do you, we were talking about this in the stands. What do you think about, like, is Mason Fine going to be good to go? Because he didn't really work, he didn't work with the team. He was off on the side, right? Yeah, afterwards, Craig Dickinson did say it's up to Jeremy O'Day in terms of he, they're going to pull him off the six-game injury list. I guess um, it's hard, you know. Because you don't want to leave them unprotected on a practice, like, you yeah. know, on the PR, right? Yeah, it's kind of this, the suspicious, suspicious thing about it is that, you know, you got to pull them off, it seems like. I yeah. believe the rule is you got to take them off the six-game injury list if he's practicing. I'm not sure if it's any different because if he's, he yeah. was just limited. He didn't take part in any drills, like team drills, because yeah. I think the moment you take part in team drills, that's where you can't be just limited. Um, he kind of left early to a practice. He worked off to the side, did a lot of footwork. He didn't really go into many team drills. So mm. hard to say. I don't know. It's, if they put him on, though, then it'd probably be, I would say, Shea Patterson goes upstairs and Antonio Pipkin's your short yards quarterback, right? Like, I think. Yeah. Mason's just there because you got to protect him being on the roster. Yeah, there's no way you're putting him to be back to short yardage, guys. So, yeah, it's going to be who you You know what's funny? We were talking about this. Think about how Jake Dolagala has emerged, and he, for most of the year, was sitting upstairs next to me on the home games in the booth spotting like he was an unprotected guy in the practice roster. Anybody could have had him. Yeah, week one, week two, there he was up for grabs. Ottawa, they were in because they had some quarterback troubles, but they, uh, they didn't take him. So, yeah, he was up for the taking early on the season. That's why you wouldn't want to leave fine under protected. You gotta you gotta protect Mason Fine. Um and Philip Blake, that's a nice one. We also heard that Trey uh Trevor Harris is on like he's he's on the trajectory to come back in October. So things are kind of pointing up for this football team. Yeah, definitely health wise. They're getting healthier at the right time and they are still gonna be missing a couple of guys this week, even yeah. with the suspension, but still yeah I mean Big veteran guys, like even having Philip Blake in the locker room, I think helps alone. Just working along the practice field is going to help those offensive linemen. That's a big guy, a big voice to have in the in the room. Yeah, and of course, um, uh, Colin Kelly's out. He'll be gone for the year, I think, with ligament uh, issues because Coach was telling that he, uh, us here exclusively on the Holiday Monday show we had. Did we get an update on Dalkey? Going for his MRI? No, not nothing to yet. They're 
still not sure yet, but um, his dad thinks it might be because Jaden's had a meniscus problem yeah. before, where they he said just clean it up. I got a brace, let's go. But that's just uh, Ryan Dalkey telling me that through Jaden, so that's not official yet. So we'll see what goes on there. And then it's interesting because they were rotating a lot of different tackle uh, D D linemen D ends in the absence now of Pistol Pete Robertson. So. Um, so like and then of course CJ Revis was back at practice. So if they put Revis at safety, you know what I mean? Then yeah. they have to juggle a different Canadian up front somehow. Yeah, it could be Charbel DeBeer, Lake yep. Corte Moore could move mm-hmm. into the defensive line and take up that ratio spot as well. But it seemed like it was more Jackson for playing safety so far. So it looks like the local boy is going to have uh, his first trip out to Winnipeg in terms of playing as a rival. That's outstanding. What did Pete Robertson have to say? We'll get to the audio word for word, but what was the general vibe or consensus there from him? Um, you know, he didn't... He, he was... Uh, Disappointed that, you know, that he cost his team. That was the biggest thing that he put his team, you know, with that big, obviously it was a turning point of the game. Luckily for the Riders side, it improved to be the turning point, but he was definitely disappointed that he put his team out like that. Hmm. Um, other than that, you know, nothing too much out of it. You know, he, uh, you know, wasn't, didn't really comment too much about hmm. after, about it. He said hmm. he's down the road, he will. You know, reach Talk out to Claros. Yeah. Re- down the road, nothing yet. He didn't re- see uh, the comments afterwards from Claros in the post game and that. So he said he was off social media and that, and that uh, mm-hmm. he didn't get a read of what the quarterback felt. All right. So uh, before we let you go here, uh, two things, two big NFL things. Travis Kelsey does not have a severe knee injury, just a deep bone bruise. So it look uh, in his knee. So it looks like he is going to give it a go or try to tomorrow's game, uh, Detroit versus uh, Kansas City. And uh, we were just talking about this. How long will your guy, Nick Bosa, the best defensive player in the league, be out? And I, no sooner did we have the conversation, I left the stadium and you went down to do the interviews. It was announced that uh, Nick Bosa signed a $170 million contract extension over five years worth $122.5 million. So that makes him the highest paid defensive player in NFL history and the highest paid non-quarterback player in NFL history. And he really is your best player. Oh, definitely. Uh, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever that he did get that number. I still have to read in terms of signing bonuses because uh, the big thing the Niners were worried about because next year they got a lot of contracts that are up next year, like Brandon Ayuk and many yeah. more. So that if they wanted to get that cap number down for this year in terms of signing bonuses and all that and all that accounting work that I need a four year degree to figure out. But uh, <laughs> it, it's a big it, that's a big thing. He's he is the Niners' best player. There's no doubt about it. Okay, this comes to us. This leads into what I wanted to talk about. I mentioned before the break. By the way, you can weigh in with any text nine three six sixty two sixty two. We'll get to that. You can always call that number or one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. It's from. Paul Friesen at the Winnipeg Sun, who we've had on the show before, and I I respect his work. Um, But here's what he had to say. The headbutt delivered by Saskatchewan D. Lyman Pete Robertson in Sunday's game was the latest and probably worst example of a league not doing enough to protect its marquee players. There's just not enough of a deterrent for a player like Robertson to reach into his bag of dirty tricks, pull out the equivalent of a tire iron, and hit an opposing quarterback in the head with it. The result is so predictable, it hurts. Quarterback goes down, gets pulled by the league concussion spotters, and if he's lucky, uh, as Kalaro was is held out for just three plays. Yeah, so lucky nobody even looked at him. Like he didn't nobody even looked at him to see if he was injured or not. Yeah, so so painful there. Uh meanwhile, the guy with the tire iron in his hands gets to stay in the game. Yeah, he is such a dirty guy. He's been so dirty over his career, this uh, Pete Robertson fellow. Now, should he have been kicked out of the game? 
probably. We heard in the broadcast yesterday, I lit him on fire in the broadcast. I played that for everybody. You can listen in the pot for uh, you know, listen to it in the podcast tomorrow. That's how I or yeah, listen on the podcast later. I'm all fired up uh, to yesterday's show because that's how I started the show. If the quarterback is unlucky, hello, 2019 Zach Kalaros or 2022 Jeremiah Masoli, he's sidelined indefin- indefinitely. This is an embarrass- uh, embarrassing situation already. Um, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 2019 Zach Kalaros, he played for what team was he playing for when he got the concussion? Oh, concussion? what happened? Uh, uh, yeah, it was the, the Riders. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and Simone Lawrence nearly ended his life. Did we have as much... Did, did Zach Kalaros even say anything about Simone Lawrence after that? I don't even remember that. This is what I'm saying. Like, what are we doing here? So that was way worse than what Pete Robertson did. Now, Pete Robertson deserves the suspension. I'm telling you that right now. But come on. Um... This is what he goes on to say. We've been told Dickinson's gang is in the process of cleaning up its undisciplined act this season. With that, Dickinson handed his players an excuse going into the Banjo Bowl rematch this weekend. What a coach! As clued out as he is, make no mistake, most of this mess is in the league's lap. So, so, you've got, you've got, um, now their media painting the picture that the riders, it's the big bag, big bad riders. So for the rest of today and this week, according to me and only me, although I think the riders should, should paint this picture in their locker room too. Roll it, Zinger. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten, he wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. Trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a rough rider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. So so we're so we're the Saskatchewan Raiders today. We are the Saskatchewan Raiders. That's right. The big bad the big bad Raiders are coming. Everything about them is bad. They're coming for the Labor Day rematch. Uh keep your kids away from the field. Here come the Raiders with thank God they're keeping dirty, dirty, dirty Pete Robertson at home because we're saints over here in Winnipeg. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Oh, Blue Jays, Blue Jays. 5-1, to one, the Oakland Athletics lead the Blue Jays, bottom of the 7th. You know, just a perfect opportunity for for these bluebirds to gain some ground. They're yeah. a half game up on the Texas Rangers, and what do they do? They blow it. They're losing to the worst team in baseball when they had a chance to sweep them. Now, I know the game's not over yet. Yep. Still six outs away, Ballsy, but uh, 
Why did I start watching this team again? I'm not sure. Uh, they'll let you down every time. By the way, uh, CFL news uh, notes I didn't get to. Duke Williams has taken his ball and gone home. Apparently, he's left the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Coach uh, Steinauer didn't say much, except we're going to address it in the future. So, Duke Williams. Wow. He gone. Bye-bye, Duke. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Michael Ball, your host, across the table from me here is Sean Kleisinger. Got a text at 936-6262, brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. We got lots of texts. It's been that way since Monday. This from, well, I'll tell you his name at the end. Michael Ball makes me embarrassed to be a Ryder fan. This guy is a one-track mind, is never wrong. He gets so worked up and is impossible to reason with. His signature move is to block people on Twitter, but he'll be the first to cry why Fajardo blocked him. He can't take criticism. He's creating a black cloud over Ryder Nation, and people are getting sick and tired of it. It doesn't matter if you think Claros went down easily or not. You can't headbutt another player. How do you not understand this? Now go ahead, Ballsy, and Call me out on the radio and puff your chest out. Well, Mike Herperger, thanks for the text. I appreciate that, Mike. I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that criticism. And you didn't actually. You know what? I'm just looking here. You didn't actually call me a name. That's a step in the right direction. Um, I don't think I'm always right, but I'm going to tell you this right now. You don't listen. You're not listening. You're hearing what you want to hear. Maybe you should call in so we can talk and then you can hear because I never said I condoned what Pete Robertson did. I never said, I never once said that, hey, there's a suspension. They gave them the suspension. So there you go. What I'm telling you and what I've said from day one is it's pick and choose justice. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers can rip a guy's hat off in a game. Nothing happens. Why is that? Oh, ballsy. That was three years ago. Uh, oh, okay. That, that, so non-football plays didn't matter back then. We only started caring about people now. Get out of here. Then, th- then the other one. Jeff Code hits the guy in the head. Oh, the play was going on. No, it wasn't. The ball was gone. Give me a break. It's all how you want to spin it. And I'm sick and tired of the Rough Riders being uh, painted like these villains, like Pete Robertson used the tire iron to hit him over the head. Yeah, he crushed him so bad nobody looked at him. Nobody looked at him and he's fine. Yeah, that was, it was not right and you shouldn't do it. What I'm trying, so, so you guys are embarrassed because I'm sticking up for the Rough Riders. What, what world do I live in? I'm sticking up for the Rough Riders, not Pete Robertson. Zinger, do you have that audio from the Ryder game? Do you have the audio? For- well, you say that after we get to Erwin Klempner, okay? Let's go to Erwin Klempner first. Erwin, <laughs> er- I just, I tell you what, man. Uh, so- sometimes, it, it, this, ah, whatever. It is what it is. I want to be, I want to be in a good mood. You're getting ready to go on the golf course. Is that how you spend your days now on the golf course? Well, I, I love a lot of them, Mike. A lot of them. Uh, I work here at Tor Hill and uh, also with the men's club and golf and everybody can. So, yeah, when football was done, that's what I tried to do, and I'm making the most of it. So you were uh, recently announced that uh, you're going to be going into the uh, Regina Sports Hall of Fame. Talk about that for me, man, and just how how important that is for you, Irwin. Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's you know, really, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite an honor, and I'm quite humbled by that, but... You know, you don't just don't get there by, by yourself. There's a tremendous number of people that, that got me here and gave me the opportunity, the support, 
and all those kinds of things and about the players and directors and and uh, and coaches that I coached and coaches that coached me and then gave me the foundation that I had uh, I wouldn't be here so it's a, it's a it's a it's a whole it's a whole team kind of thing and uh, I'm very humbled to be uh, part of that that group and be recognized by uh, the Regina Sports Hall of Fame board and and that type of thing, but it's very special and uh, and quite unique. But I'm not here alone. I stand there and I represent a lot of people that I played and coached with and and players who played for me. This guy was a great football player. He coached a lot of different the teams and athletes in different sports in high school. He uh, was on the Regina Rams for a number of times, a number of years, and then he was one of the guys that really got the Regina Thunder program to where they are today. What what do you think about that Thunder program when you see him right now? Over two seasons undefeated in the regular season. I, I'm tickled pink. You know, I, uh, way back when, when I uh, took on, when I asked to, you know, when I applied for the job, uh, way back when, uh, things were not in very good shape. And uh, you know, and I just, I knew that there, you know, football. We've got such a great minor football program and fantastic high school program. A lot of coaches, a lot of players in there. And why don't we have two very solid teams? Uh, that players can be proud of, and and I know uh, walking around, I come here at the golf course. I see lots of young guys uh, wearing thunder thunder gear and all those other kinds of things, as well as Ram gear, and they're all very very proud of the programs uh, here in Regina, and, and that that makes me feel really good. That uh, and that was the whole point of uh, me going with the Thunder and and make, you know making a program, and you know the guys who took over me, you know Scott and Collie and. Uh, Stefan Ensign, they were both there when I left, and uh, they're still there. And so, they're the strong foundation in keeping it going, and I'm just thrilled as hell that, uh, that the program is going as well as it is. You're one of those guys that has been, you know, like I said, with the Thunder, you got you know, got the likes of Logan Furland, um, you got the likes of now uh, Jackson Ford, Mitch Pickton, those kind of guys, continuing the wave of local athletes that are really showing well. Uh, that really speaks to how how great this province is and in the Regina area for football players. No, it's not a question. You know, I, I back in, you know, uh, when I was doing a lot of coaching, I was still involved with Football Canada in a lot of their programming and those kinds of things. I talked to a lot of coaches right across Canada and they always wanted, they always were trying to recruit Saskatchewan kids because uh, they just felt that they're, they're very, very dedicated, hardworking and no-nonsense kind of guys and they just love the game and, and played the game like that. And, uh, so, you know, we, we're benefiting of it. Uh, we've got four very strong programs here in Saskatchewan. For a small population that we have, it just bodes well. It just tells you how, uh, how you know, how, how good the, pro- the, the minor programs are here, or the grassroots programs. So right through, uh, you know, uh, Saskatchewan, you know, not just the cities, but also the rural, where they've got the six and nine men, and they work their tails off. You know, you know, having a field and uh, maintaining their field so that uh, they can have a good, safe football game and things like that. The guys in the rural areas are, you know, where Logan Furlins come from and, and guys like that. You know, you have to admire those coaches because they're not only coaching, but they have to put a lot of extra special work into it and uh, and develop a lot of great guys. And, and they come they come with a, a lot of passion. So it's, uh, you know, we're, we're the Texas of Canada. You might as well just say Saskatchewan is the Texas of Canada. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Irwin, uh, good luck on the golf course. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. I appreciate it. Appreciate talking to you, Mike, and I always uh, love your passion, uh, just like the prelude that I got. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Take care. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, that's one thing. Uh, I've been called passionate. probably the best thing I've been called. Uh, he, I got this from Chad. Chad said, that was your best rant ever, Ballsy, at the start of the show. Just uh, giving credit where credit's due. Mr. Zach Kalaros, really? 
he he put on an unbelievable show bef- uh, during and after the game. Um, good day, Michael. I've been sitting here uh, listening to you crying on the radio about the hit that happened in the game. The guy made a stupid mistake by hitting him in the head. Now all you're doing is crying on the radio. I hate to see what would have happened if the Riders actually lost the game. Maybe you should just pay attention to the game and quit your crying. Hmm. Okay, so... So, thanks for that. Uh, I believe it's uh, Mike Longpray. Thank you, Mike. Uh, two mics. I'm Mike. Two mics just not liking what Michael Ball is throwing down, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Hey, the three Micateers. If, if you're going to th- no, one of these things don't belong here. Oh, Apparently, it's me. Yeah. And I tell you what, Zinger, I don't, I don't mind. Hey, good or bad, send the text in. Call 936-6262-1866-767-0620. Now, do you want to hear this no, during just, the broadcast just, 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 just wait a second. Does this sound... Does this sound like a guy that doesn't understand what's going on and isn't watching the game and is condoning what Pete Robertson did? Does this, please, please help me out. Maybe, maybe my headset's not working. Roll it. Polaros fakes a handoff, backpedals, he's going to throw, and that one is incomplete. I think it was deflected. Oh, what a terrible. Pete Robertson got lucky. He headbutted. He headbutted Zach Kalaros yeah, after the pass be... went incomplete, and that's got to be a penalty. That's going to be a penalty. What a stupid play by Pete Robertson. Zach Kalaros is hurt, too. That was a stupid play by Pete Robertson. Zach Kalaros is down. I mean, he might be embellishing it, let's be honest. But still. <laughs> so... So so does does that and we could go for another thirty seconds because I went on for another thirty seconds same type of tone same type of words stupid ridiculous zinger uh, I I don't know if my headset's hearing something else did you hear a guy that was sticking up for Pete Robertson there no sir was that a guy condoning what Pete Robertson did no sir people are missing what I'm saying I'm trying to point out the fact that it looks like perceptions everything and facts are negotiable. Okay, it looks like there are certain levels of justice in this league, and it's hard not to believe that. Zinger, did Amari Henderson get called for pass interference in that game? Yeah. Did did um, Evan Holm get called for the same thing on Kean Schaefer Baker after Coach challenged it? Hmm. No, he didn't. <laughs> And it went it to worse, and I it went too. to review. Yeah. So what's a guy to think? When he sees those things, Zinger, did Andrew Harris, did he or did he not, in a banjo bowl, they call it that, I call it the Labor Day rematch, that's what it is, in the Labor Day rematch, did he not tear the helmet off of Christian Campbell, number 38 of the Riders, pinned to the top of my at the real ballsy profile, did he not rip that helmet off? Yeah, it was right in the end zone there. Was he ejected? I don't think he was. Was he suspended? I don't think so. No, was that a non-football play like the headbutt Pete Robertson gave to Zach Kalaros? I think that a little worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, did anybody from the Riders rip the league after that happened? I don't think so. Did you hear Brandon Bridge rip the league when Je- Jeff Coates smoked him with a flying headbutt in a playoff game and actually knocked him silly out of the game? Oh, he was too scrambled. Yeah, so... so you see the for everybody at home that doesn't get it. Do you see what I'm trying or refuses to get it? Do you see the picture I'm trying to paint here? Tell me I'm wrong. Somebody tell me I'm wrong. I've got visual evidence. 
I've got recent visual evidence. And then I've got a quarterback after the game who once again did get headbutted and Pete Robertson should have been kicked out of the game. But might I remind you, the officials never even threw a flag. They had to get the, yeah. they had to get the, uh, they had to get the, uh, command center to call down. So a guy gets headbutted. He lays on the carpet. And I don't want to see it because he's got a history of concussions and it's terrible. I stuck up for the dude when he was our quarterback when Simone Lawrence uh, tried to kill him. Okay? Goes to the sidelines. Nobody looks at him. After the game, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Great job. He's either getting Pete Robertson suspended by calling out the league, for which he wasn't fined for, or it's going to be... It's going to be the Bombers against the world. So now I say it's the Saskatchewan Raiders. The Raiders under Al Davis were the worst. They couldn't do anything right. They were the dirtiest team. Oh, that dirty, dirty Pete Robertson, Marino 2.0, suspend them. That's all I'm saying. We'll take a break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. And that's the other thing, too. we got to get on the same page as it relates to um, player safety in this league, okay? Uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are playing on three days rest. They're going to play a football game on three days rest. Forgot about that. You, slipped under the. Are you nuts? They're gonna play a football they game. They kick off on, the week. The, I believe they kick off the week. Oh, no, they do. They kick on like, Friday. Who's scheduling this crap? And you expect a great product? Number one. Number two. This comes to us. I, I saw this story. Very interesting. Remember, we had a Rash Madani on yesterday uh, talking about this. CFLPA was concerned enough over air quality at the game between Calgary and Edmonton on Monday that it demanded players be pulled off the field, the CBC reported. Executive Director of the CFLPA, Brian Ramsey, told the CBC's Kylie Peterson that the CFL had broken the agreement the league made with the players that games would be stopped when air quality ratings were above 7. A rating 7 or above is considered high and triggers a warning from Environment Canada to the general population. We expressed our concern to the CFL prior to the game and the start of the game. In fact, we demanded they remove the players from the field, Ramsey said to the CBC. Obviously, it's very upsetting for our membership. They were confused as to why the game wasn't stopped. Associate Vice President of Communications and Public Affairs Lucas Barrett told the CBC that the air quality readings the league took before and during the game were rated as moderate. We talked about that like it's kind of we've kicked off games here at 8 8.5 or even 10 when you see it on environment canada but the riders do have a different tracking system weather wise i know that for a fact so they felt like there was no concern our own daniela ponticelli on the sideline not a weather expert but she was down there she said she couldn't really didn't seem as smoky below ground level so i don't i don't know um about that, but so we talk about player safety and headbutting and all this stuff, which we need to get out of the game. But then over on this side, so it all comes back to this. I just like some damn consistency in the league. What's a PI? What's a headbutt now? What's a you know Beverett on Pearson? Uh, if you want to say, go to use this year's example, Beverett on Pearson, the BC Montreal game on the Saturday. So. Where, where's the consistency? What are we doing here? Now, now, what does this mean now? Kalaros was upset 
And a guy with concussions has every right to be upset. But he went and he's called the league out a couple of times now in the last four or five weeks and has not been penalized. That wouldn't fly in the NFL. You'd get your ass fined. And so now any coach and any player after the Labor Day Classic can say whatever they want. If Coach Dickinson doesn't like what he sees in Winnipeg, he can go into the locker room and just peel paint on the officials, and he should be not worried one iota about being uh, fined. And neither should any player. That's that's Is that not what it is? Fair is fair, man. Fair is fair. You've set a new precedent. Let's go to the phones. Who do we got here? Hello? Good afternoon, Ballsy. Hi, who's this? <laughs> Hi, who's this? Dwayne. Hi, Dwayne. Go ahead. Well, I just, uh, I was at the game, so, uh, but I've watched most of it again. I PVR'd it, but mm-hmm. I, I farm, so it's been hard to get yep. through it still. I watch a little bit in the morning and the evening, but yeah. no, I just want to, it's hard not to be cynical of, about the refing. As I'm watching it, you see uh, two or three times, you know, the Winnipeg receivers are five or six yards into the backfield. No offside calls. There was one time count violation that uh, should have been called on them. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It just uh, that was there was actually a penalty on that that play. And my wife, who was at the game with me, said, uh, "Yeah, no, it's uh, it's time count on Winnipeg. No, it was actually hands to the face on us, which it was a penalty. I'm not disagreeing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm, it was. It just seems they they seem to uh, they seem to only see one color a lot when the Riders are playing." Yeah, and so it's, it's and, very difficult to not oh, yeah. get cynical about the rafting. That's what I mean. And Dwayne, is that not is that not how conspiracy theories start? I'm not going to sit here and tell you the riders are saints because they're not saints. There's no we're we're playing. As I said to Shivers yesterday when he was on the show, we're not playing patty cakes here. We're playing football. We got twenty something year old men with testosterone. There's thirty thousand fans in the stands. If 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 dude is drunk and liquored up in one forty eight with a watermelon on his head and he's yelling, and he's been jacked. What do you think a twenty six year old when there's jaw jack, you think they all get up from a tackle and say, oh, uh, good play, and they go back to the huddle? No. They're talking. They're, no. Tr- Kalaros was trash-talking. Moncrief got right in his face. It happens. I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying what Pete Robertson did was right, but come on, man. You can't have pick-and-choose justice. The NHL does the same thing. It's bogus. Exactly. Well, and yeah, and, and and I'm not defending Robertson. It's un- unfortunate he did that because he's a great player and he got caught up in the heat of the moment and made a bad decision. But uh, believe me, I've made many of them in my lifetime. So no, and, well, so have I. So have I. And that's the thing. I don't understand all the angst. If Winnipeg Blue Bomber fan or Calgary Stampeder fan or Edmonton Elks fan want to light me up, I get it. It's fun. This is fun. It's a Labor Day rematch. We're talking. We're going back and forth. They care about our team. I, their team. I care about our team. But I've, I've literally got fans texting me saying they're embarrassed because I'm sticking up for the team. Not once right. have I said that Pete Robertson is right. What I'm saying is don't well, paint us like we're the Oakland Raiders. Give me a break. Right. Exactly. The other thing I would like to see is uh, I find the in-house replay at Mosaic to be very uh, poor. I wish they would have showed that play because I was going off on my family group chat because I didn't see it at the time, thinking how come the CFL is just shoving it to us again. And then my brother, who was at his cottage watching the game, sent me the video of it. And I was like, I showed it to about 10 people around me because we're all yelling at the refs. Because we didn't, we missed the headbutt, and then I'm going, wow, don't I feel like an idiot now? I don't know why they don't show those to us when we're in the stadium. Yeah, I, I, 
I think probably it's strategic. Uh, they probably don't want to show a headbutt there, and they don't want to show. You know what I mean? When it's and I and I get it, but uh, hey, man, thanks for I, let, yeah. I sort I sort of understand that side of it too, but yeah. it just. Uh, when you miss it, you miss it. When you're at the actual game, you miss a lot of it, eh? Dwayne, you know, Dwayne. When's the last time you won on six twenty CKRM? It's been years. Since okay, I've Dwayne, won Dwayne, 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 Dwayne. You need to. Here's what you're going to do, man. I'm going to get you two tickets to when the Rough Riders come back uh, from Winnipeg after another win against all the odds, against everybody against them. They're going to beat Winnipeg and come back here and play Chris Jones, Trey Ford, and the Edmonton Elks on September 15th. I need you to pick the score for Sastel. What's the score going to be in this game on uh, Saturday? Uh, against, uh, we're going to be playing Winnipeg, the CFL officials and the fans there, so it's going to be tough, but I still think we're going to win uh, 31 to 27. Okay, 31 to 27. Okay, so here's the deal. You've got tickets to that game back here versus the Edmonton Elks, and if you're uh, right on the money or closest without going over, you get a $200 gift card from Sastel, and then you're in the running for a uh, game and a suite next year. Okay, does that sound good, Dwayne? Sounds awesome, Ballsy. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the, the good work you guys do. Keep it up. Thanks. Hang on the phone. we got to get some information from you, okay, Dwayne? Okay. Please do so. You'll be a couple minutes here. And that's the other thing I want to point out here before all you-know-what breaks loose. On the broadcast, before all this went down with the pass interference and everything, Luke and I... And you can listen to all our broadcasts on in podcast form, Rider Radio. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. So you can listen to it. I'm not making stuff up. We pointed out that the officiating's been better this year. So I, I'm in my heart of hearts, I don't think they pick one team over the other. All I'm pointing out is the squeaky wheel gets the grease. That team always complains they never get the breaks, and they always get the breaks. So I'm pointing out the fact that it doesn't seem fair, that it's about time somebody starts talking about it, and that's why I'll talk about it. So call me a whiner and call me whatever you will. My nickname is Ballsy, and I'm go I'm here. You can find me three to six. Call in. Let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. You don't have to agree with me. Just be respectful. Um, so we got Dwayne there. He's on hold. Uh, Ballsy, you're letting some of these so-called fans get to you. They're winding you up. Relax. No, the fans aren't getting to me. I read the... Did I get wound up by the fan singer? I don't know. Maybe I did. Peter from Saskatoon. Thanks for listening, though, Peter. I appreciate it. Good or bad, I'm appreciating you guys are listening. Mike, these people calling you out probably never paid attention in school either. Uh, Eli, uh, that's why you have to squawk at the league. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. The bombers squawk, and Pete got suspended. Well, I think Pete probably was going to get suspended, but Kalaros knew what he was doing, for sure. This from Mark. Mark says, on the not playing of too smoky, just the comment that this league is not flush and profitable enough to move a game to another day would have been terrible attendance and would have to give people a refund option and I totally agree with that Mark I think that is right on the money and it's not like it is the NFL for sure but um, we always get compared to the National Football League Zinger Um, a little later on I want to talk about that I'm not sure where I'm going to squeeze it in probably in the 4.30 hour I think when we're talking fines there needs to be some fines handed out and I want to get to that we need to if we want to be a we are a professional league we are the best form of football on turf 
But if we want to be considered like the NFL, if we want to kind of be treated like the NFL, then you got to look the part. Remember what I told you, Singer? It's okay to wear a jersey like you did, but sometimes you need to wear a collared shirt. Don't dress for the job you have. Don't look at me today. I'm in an SJHL shirt and sweatpants. But sometimes you got to dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Mm -hmm. Okay? bring that up because I don't like what I'm seeing in the CFL and I'm utterly shocked that there hasn't been fines handed out. You it's like my jersey though, right? Yeah, love looks good. I don't mind love. I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing a Jordan Love jersey. It's looking today. awesome for a six-win team this year. Six wins. Wow. Uh, this is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Got a great show lined up. Farhan Lalji from Kansas City after 5.30. Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Blue Jays, talking about their disappointing 5-2 loss to the Oakland Athletics today. That's usually a free space in the bingo card. Waldo's Warriors after 4.30. Still taking your text at 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. You can call that number 2-936-6262-1866-767-0620. Some speculation on Twitter that I've been neutered and that I... No, I'm just just not doing any of that. You want to know what I think? Come to the show. And I'll tell you what I think. That's neutered. Wow. Yeah, 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 all types of things. It's just, it's crazy. Anyway, who's excited for the game? Who is pumped for the game? I am absolutely pumped for this football game. We'll hear from Pete Robertson and his thoughts on his one-game suspension and everything around that coming up here. Um, uh so I want to get to a few more of these texts, Singer, because yeah, we got a lot of them flooding pe- in. People man. are taking time to text, so I want to try my best to answer them, good or bad. Ballsy, this is from Don Gardner. Ballsy, Troy Westwood called the people in Saskatchewan a bunch of banjo picking inbreds. Henceforth, the name of the game. They're Saints, though, right? Hey, uh, th- listen, they were trying. They- nobody was going to the games there. Nobody cared about the Blue Bombers for years. So they started something with Troy Westwood, and that's great. It's- it was fun for a while. Now it's tired and old. And why would you want to celebrate if you're from Saskatchewan what they call that? So we call it the Labor Day rematch. That's what we call it around here. I will never. Um, Say that that's that that's not the game to me. It's the Labor Day rematch. This from Marie. Maybe no one has mentioned the headbutt from Big Hill on Jake. I didn't see a headbutt from Big Hill on Jake. I did mm-hmm. see a sack helmet to helmet Cam Lawson on Jake, for which he was uh, flagged for 15 yards. So the refs caught that one for sure. And I'm not insinuating the refs miss all the calls because they don't. They actually made some really good calls in the game. In fact, the one where. Um, where Sean's falling backwards, and originally everybody thought it was a catch on the sidelines, bomber sidelines. They waved it off right away, and it stood up. Like yeah, that, was a, that was a nice call. By that was a referee. great. That was a great call by the side judge, uh, Sheldon Metaluski, who donated to the uh, to the fund for T.J. Brunson, the fine fund. He's from Doddsland. Haters will be haters. Speak your mind. Great show. Listen to the show all the time. This one is uh, from Dan Edwards. Now I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's getting mad at me or Pete Robertson. 
Hello from Winnipeg. My name's Dan, a lifetime rider fan. Great game on Sunday, but you know what? The refing is absolutely horrid. The headbutt on Kolaros was stupid. I'm glad Pete Robertson was suspended. As a rider fan who's going to the Banjo Bowl, I'm debating whether I should wear rider gear or not. Rider fans will probably get attacked because of Robertson's dumbass move. Thanks for the fear of wearing green and white. I'm assuming there, I, I missed that last part. I think that's what he means, and he's blaming Pete. He can't possibly be blaming me for what the Blue Bomber fans do. And you can't really blame Pete either. Why would you do that to Kolaris out there, Ballsy? Yeah, like that. terrible what I did. Um, you were so fast to get back to by the way, up by the, the way, booth. By the way, by the way, by the way. Yeah. Folks, folks, listen, not only does the guy's resume, not only does Zach Kolaros' resume read two t- reigning two-time MOP, well-deserved. Not only is he talked about as the best quarterback in the league, well-deserved. Not only is he the greatest comeback story in CFL history, well-deserved. Not only playing in the Grey Cup the last three years, winning two of those, well-deserved. All the accolades. Highest paid guy till Chad Kelly side, well-deserved. But he has now passed Denzel Washington as my favorite actor. What a great performance on the field there on that boneheaded play by Pete Robertson. And then after Zinger, a master manipulator. He could write for the WWE. In fact, I think when he's done, Vince McMahon is going to sign him to to call out the league without any ramifications. He called out the league. Yeah, Triple H has been in contact yeah, with him. Probably. He called out the league. I'm serious. And now... Well, maybe him and CM Punk want to start their own federation. Calls out the league, and it could go either way. Pete Robertson gets suspended, and he doesn't have to face Pete Robertson, which happened. Or Pete Robertson doesn't get suspended, and now everybody, it's it's just Bomber Nation in full throat, even, even more rowdier than they already are, the loudest fans in the CFL. The loudest fans in the CFL. And so, yeah. and so uh, it was a win-win. What a great job. They, they have hey, to put let's that. pull through it. You're not, you're not giving him no, his come just on. grace. Great job, Zach. To great be honest, job. I just think he was sulking after a loss, and he was trying to channel his frustrations into something, you know, that... Sets an interest. Sets an interesting precedence, though. Yeah. Can you? Can anybody call out the league now? It's and, and not be not be fined for it. Well, it's hey, something to keep tabs on. Yeah, I, well, believe me. I uh, hey, uh, my my assistants. Do we cheat him and how? We are marking keep it down. Keep your receipts. We are keeping the receipts. Okay, <laughs> let's hear from Pete Robertson. Uh, I don't have any thoughts on it. That's just what they they went with, and um, that's what we're going to roll with. What, what what happened out there? You're not a guy who usually would take something like that. Um, I I couldn't even really truly explain it. It's just a play that uh it happened, and uh, like when I was talking to the league, I told them guys I want to make no excuse or explanation about the situation, and that's just that play what happened. And, you know, my biggest thing was that uh I put my team in that situation at that moment. It was a crucial crucial time. Was it just the the heat of the moment, the law John uh, the game I can, led to it? Uh, I, I I can't even answer that. I, I honestly don't know. I don't. Were you surprised the decision came so quickly on Monday already? No, I wasn't surprised. I kind of figured they were going to do, you know, play it like that. So I was prepared and uh, we was prepared for pretty much, you know, they was going to kind of play it like that. Because at the end of the day, me uh, being a guy that, you know, uh, tackle quarterbacks, you know, try to, uh, you know, help them guys or help our guys, you know, come out with a win. It's, I know it's, it's plays like that I can't do, you know, and I've been playing in DN for a while, so I just know that it's, it's coming since, so I know that. How important was it just to deal with it up front right away and talk to whoever needs to be talked to? Um, whether it's us, whether it's anyone. It, it's very important. Uh, as a man, you know, I um, 
how I look at everything, you know, right or wrong, I take it as it comes. You know, I don't try to run from it. I handle it right then and just go and get it behind me. So, and that, that's the biggest thing for me. So, like, I talked to J.O. and, and uh, when we was up there dealing with the mediation, that was the best thing. Let's go and handle it right now and get it out the way. What else did you need to do or did you feel you needed to do? Anyone else you needed to reach out to afterwards? Uh, no, not really, no. Did you fully accept it? reaction when you saw his way? When I saw, I didn't see his post game. So I'm, I'm, I'll, I tell a lot of guys, I'm not on social media, so I, I don't, I don't see, so I don't know his reaction, whatever his reaction was. You know, he have the right to have that. You know, I can't be the guy, but oh, you can't feel like that. Whatever he wants to feel, how he feel, that's that's on him. And uh, at the end of the day, like I always say, I don't play to hurt. You know, I play with a high intensity and I, I play physical, I match physicality. So, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a mistake that I made as a man. Are you sorry about what happened? Am I sorry? Um. <laughs> yeah, I say that because, like I said, at the end of the day, you know, it's not about me; it's about the organization and about what we represent. And uh, and I definitely want to prize us to, to ride, you know, ride a nation. And uh, I'll reach out to Zach sometime soon, I'm sure. Are you fully uh, accepting the suspension? Was there thoughts of appealing it? Or no, nah, it wasn't. No, nah, if that was the case, then I'm pretty sure you guys would already knew that, you know. So it wasn't no thought. Like I said, man, I handle my consequences as a man. So at the end of the day, the guys, you see, I was still out here with the guys having a good time trying to help out the best, best way I can without performing. So, you know, it's all good. It's all behind me. How tough, tough. is it for you is it to miss this next game now? Uh, it's very tough because we know this is an intense game. You know, and, uh, of course, we just got the big win, and them guys going to try to come back, and uh, we playing at their home field, and they're going to try to take that W. But uh, at the end of the day, man, it's about – the next man up, you know, we got some guys right now. We got CT and uh, Roscoe coming up, and they gonna be some guys. Hopefully, they can make some plays. And I'm gonna be definitely watching and cheering them on. Have you met with the team yet to kind of own up to what happened? Oh yeah, met with the team first day. Uh, when we had our first day back the other day, when we were watching film over the game like that, and like I told the guys, it was more, you know, my mistake within that timing of the game. You know, within any day, I'm not saying that penalty that penalty is acceptable at any time, but at that moment of time, it was just too important for to me lose control at that moment. Did you breathe a sigh of relief though uh, after overtime, after it was all settled, that the fact that that penalty and that extension of the drive didn't oh, cost you guys the game? Oh uh, yeah, kind of sort of. But I'm gonna be honest, man. Our offense was playing great all night. You know, they was playing great all night, and uh, I want to tip my hat to Jake and. J Mo and them guys like that because they kept battling. You know, when, when adversity hit either on offense or defense, you know, you guys gotta have your back and it's definitely what they did. They held me down on that one. So there's Pete Robertson's thoughts on his one game suspension. We got this text from Nate and Craven. Hey, what's your opinion on the two point convert in overtime that while watching replays looked like Bain Jr. trapped it with the ground? Um, the ball can move as long as you have possession. The ball can hit the ground as long as you maintain possession. Okay, so that and I'm assuming it went to the great replay booth because everything like that's uh, reviewed. So they obviously thought it was good. Yeah, they it gets everything right. It, everything right. Everything. I, I for one want them to abolish instant replay because they can't go all in on it. They they have at like least, at least simplify it and get rid of the challenging pass interference and stuff because that just is it's not working. So like no, you no. you can't challenge pass interference in the National Football League like yeah. Not anyway, I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying like no. you can have instant replay but like let's simplify it a bit. It's yeah. way too complicated when you can challenge every single thing. Obviously, you're going to have more opportunities to mess up. Yeah, this is Nolan and Regina. 
Hello, MB. I find the uh, butthurt people, the, the people butthurt over your comments, the Bomber fans, hilarious, given the Blue Bomber fans celebrate a game where they mock and disparage the fans of the visiting team, not the team itself. But it's all in good fun, so it's okay, I suppose. Serious question. After the whistle, do quarterbacks still benefit from the same level of quarterback protection as they do during the play? To me, all players deserve to be safe from uh, dangerous post-play actions and should be penalized equally, which is why I don't think the refs reacted the way Zach thinks they should have. Thoughts? Well, anytime a headbutt's like that and it was deliberate, he should be suspicious. He should have. I thought he probably should have got the max fine, which I think is half a game check, but he got a game suspension, so that's the new precedence moving forward. No, they're, they're going to protect quarterbacks way more than you see running backs drop their uh, head and they smash into guys and vice versa. There's nothing. We saw a headbutting incident, Montreal and BC between BC, uh, uh, Montreal's linebacker, BC's offensive lineman. So it's never going to be the same. And we should protect our quarterbacks because they are the main thing that drives the game. But I agree with you. All players' health is imperative, for sure. Absolutely. And let's be honest. They're making Hamilton play on three days rest, and apparently the PA's mad because they're playing in smoky conditions in Edmonton. So, once again, all, all I want, Zinger, all I've ever wanted even if it's with my team, is I want consistency. This is a pass interference, and this is the same play, and it's also pass interference. Or, here's a novel thought. How about we just let him play unless the guy gets absolutely torn down? Crazy. We'll take a break. I'll let you get to your thought in a second. The Sports Cage Clutch performer, Paul Waldo, Waldo's Warriors, and much more. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch performer. 620 CKRM. Behind the swing. The fly ball to left field and it well. Merrifield going back, looks up, and it is gone! A three run over for Brock for uh, Kevin Smith. And the A's now lead it 5 to 1. That's the sound of Kevin Smith. Of the Oakland Athletics absolutely putting a dagger in the Toronto Blue Jays today. That home run gave the A's a 5-1 to lead. And the A's would go on to win the game 5-2. to And let's be honest, Oakland, they haven't won anything this year. Except this sports cage clutch performer, Kevin Smith. He's our guy today. For Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Kevin Smith. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. <laughs> now, it's not like we need another thing for genius sports to figure out stats-wise. But here's something that's always made me scratch my head, even in American football. Why? Okay, so say the line of scrimmage is the 35-yard line. It's third down, okay? And your punter is punting, and he's standing back at his 20-yard oh. line. When he punts the ball, he his punt is measured from the line of scrimmage. Why isn't it measured from where he kicks it? Those 15 yards, it's like they don't exist. It's ridiculous. They And it's it's a good point because they account for that for field goals. They make yes. it, they, they count the yardage yes. where they where I've they never figured the field that out. Goal. I don't know if you prefaced that by saying that. No, 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 I didn't. Did. No, I, I didn't. But it's weird when you think about it. Yeah. Punters get ripped off, especially in contract time. Oh, your average is only 41. No, actually my average was 56 because I'm kicking it from 
15 yards back. Mm-hmm. It, it's, they get Punters get ripped off. We already cut down punters. Good thing we got John Ryan coming on here. We can ask yeah. him that. Here's, so if they tee it at the 35... Yeah. I'm, I'm talking field goal. If they, they pin it at the 35-yard line... So 42 they're, they're, yards, yeah, usually. Yeah. No, so no. like if the pin is at the 35, then yeah. the snap is probably at the 28, 27-yard yeah, line. Yeah, it's usually seven yards yeah, back. Seven, eight yards, depending on... The so, distance. Yeah. So... Yeah, that is that is weird. I don't know why that happens. That's the punters deserve. They those do. Extra yeah, the punters like running backs need their own unions. Yeah, like come on. Hey, uh, okay, so we do this, and and it, there's no way around it. We compare the CFL with the NFL. A lot of fans consider that the league. When I think we do have the best game, they have more money and and higher end athletes, like from the top player on the roster to about seven or eight. Then everything else is about the same. Our rules are better. Um, and I'll stand by that. But if we want to be considered not a Bush League and an actual professional league, what are they watching at CFL head office? First of all, your jerseys should be pretty uniform. Like I watched, pardon the pun, like I watched the BC Lions play the Montreal Alouettes, Montreal dark red, BC dark in their darks. That would never happen in the NFL, to my knowledge. I'm trying to think, would I ever no. see like the Chargers in dark playing the Dolphins in dark or the Raiders in dark? That would never happen. That's number one. Number two, um, I don't like the hodgepodginess of how they throw their pants and everything together, but whatever. That's that's maybe grasping at straws. But this for sure, I know I've heard players say, I don't care. I'll take the fine. Oh, you're in the CFL. It stands for cash flow low. If they find your ass two or three weeks in a row, I guarantee you'd get the message. There are guys, Argos are bad for this. They had their socks rolled down. Guys have different color socks on. Did you see Leak? Javon Leak wears his jersey up so his stomach is showing and you only see half his number. That looks like a Bush League practice. Like you're practicing on a Wednesday afternoon at Mosaic Stadium and you're hot so you got your jersey up. That's an embarrassment. Who is looking at this at the league and letting this go? That's what I'm saying. James Wilder Jr. was notorious for that. Yeah. You could just see his abs. Yeah. Like we're not paying to see your abs. Yeah, we know you're an athlete. I know I'm a. I know I'm out of shape watching you play. But yeah, so that's what I'm saying with this league. It's like, well, we'll penalize this, but we won't do that. And there are rules, but and there are rules for this. There's literally rules in the book. Mm-hmm. So if you have a rule in the book, why don't you call the rules? It's the same thing with NHL playoff hockey. There are rules. Call them, then we wouldn't have to have fighting in hockey. If you actually called, well, you need fighting for to to discipline the guys, own discipline. How about the ref actually call the penalty? If that team wants to be a bunch of losers, they'll be shorthanded five on three for the whole game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Can I bring up the point about Hamilton playing on Friday? Sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Hamilton played Toronto on Monday, right? Yep. The Riders in Winnipeg played on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well. Why is the Riders and Bombers scheduled on Saturday and Hamilton playing on Friday? I'm, why not move the Rider and Bomber game to Friday and move the Hamilton Tiger Cat game to Saturday to give the 
all the teams the equal amount of rest. Uh, and I don't know. And it doesn't affect Ottawa, the team Hamilton's playing because they're coming off a bye. Was there a was there a venue issue in Ottawa? I don't Who know. Who else is playing there? That well, CPL they have, team they have or a whatever? soccer or do they have a rugby team? Well, but just I'm tell sure them they could, to, tell they them to beat it. They could have juggled it. If it's a soccer, it's not as it's not as tough as football. You're right. You can't. That's the other thing. Player safety. Player safety. Well, do you really care about the safety of players? You're making the Hamilton Tiger Cats play on three days against a team that had a bye. Are you nuts? Like, I bet Hamilton's not even, like, practicing this week. It's going to be the same thing, uh, the rider going to Montreal yeah. scenario. Maybe one day of practice, and then they have three days of rest, and then they have well, to play. Let's be it. honest. They look like they didn't practice last game. Oh, my. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. Hey, we're going to take a break. Paul Waldo, Waldo's Warriors, coming up next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 4.33, sports ticker time for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. It was the thriller in Manila today. When it comes to basketball, the Canadian senior men's national team is headed to the FIBA Men's Basketball World Cup. The semifinals of it after taking down Slovenia 100 to 89 in the quarterfinals today. So Canada will advance to the semifinals for the first time ever and are guaranteed their best ever finish at a World Cup. And Shea Gilgis Alexander was absolutely sensational. He put up 31 points. R.J. Barrett of the New York Knicks put up 24 points. And uh, Gilgis Alexander as well had a game-high 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. So next up for Canada, Canada is a meeting against Serbia in the semifinals Friday morning at 2.45 a.m. And the other semifinals, Germany versus the United States. And who am I giving a shout-out here to? Josh Shaw? Josh Shaw is listening to the show. He was he was uh, on Oakland A when Gilgis Alexander had the game of his life. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, Josh. Sorry, Josh. Yeah. Apologize. He's slipped, in char- my, slipped my mind. He's in charge of the uh, the the supervisor of the building mm. for the Rough Riders over there. Come take my job, Josh. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Hey, we've got the Plaza of Honor coming up here, and the 2013 Grey Cup team will be... Um, Celebrated October 7th there. Corey Sheets, Tyron Brackenridge, Tristan Jackson, Chris Getzlaff, and Neil Hughes will uh, be present for the dedication. And there's supposed to be more players announced uh, soon. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, a guy who was on the Rough Riders roster last year, Duke Williams, uh, he had a cryptic post. Basically, it said... uh, what did he say here? It, it I'm was out of here. Basically. It was good, Hamilton, but I'm out. Uh, this is what Coach uh, Orlando Steinauer said. I had a conversation with Duke this morning, and obviously he wasn't going to play this week. So that's really what it's about. His status moving forward. We'll address it at another time. I'm not sure why he wasn't going to play this week. Was he? I don't see him get hurt. Yeah. Anyway, Duke Williams. Uh, he left here, and sometimes coaches think they can change people. Sometimes they can make them, oh, I can make them fit into our locker room. Some kind, sometimes guys just don't fit in any locker rooms. That's the CFL report for Kevin's Marine in Fort Capel. Make the most of summer with a boater pontoon. Kevin's Marine, check them out in Fort Capel or online at kevinsmarine.com. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 
All right, welcome to the show. Uh, Paul Waldo joins us here for Waldo's Warriors as we got him here on this Wednesday. Uh, Paul, let's start uh, just in general, man. It fe- this is fun. This is what it, people are just lighting up Twitter. I've kicked the hornet's nest, but it's fun. It's 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 football. It's fun. Now I got the there's a Winnipeg writer, Paul Friesen, who I respect. He's got he he writes good stuff. He's yep. saying that Paul. Uh, that uh, uh, Pete Robertson's a dirty player and a one-game suspension isn't enough. Come on, man. Troy Westwood wanted him suspended for a year. Like, we're not playing patty cakes here. We're playing football. What people don't realize are these are testosterone-filled young guys, and there's a lot of stuff said and a lot of stuff done that they don't even see. I'm not condoning what Pete did, but come on. It'd be like going to a UFC fight and you're outraged. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, you know, you don't ever condone anything, especially, you know, stuff after the play. But, I mean, it, it's the most violent game in the world. Um, the emotions are going to be flying. It's it's aggression. It's testosterone. So things like this are going to happen. That's just, that's just the reality of it. Now, I mean, a, a year suspension, I mean, come on. It's it's one of those things where obviously shouldn't have done it. Nobody's condoning it. But, I mean, he's got, he's got a game. But, you know, it should be good enough. And let's move on here. Hey, uh, you got to give Zach, I said at the start of the show, you got to give Zach Claros credit, man. Not only is he an unbelievable football player, maybe the greatest comeback story in the history yep. of the CFL, but he is a great actor now. He showed he can act on the field, and then after, even better, he called the league out and basically baited them into suspending Pete Robertson. It was a win-win. If Pete gets suspended, he doesn't face him. If he doesn't, it's us against the world. So I think that should be the Riders' message. I'm calling them the Saskatchewan Raiders this week because it feels like we're the big bad guys coming to town marino 2.0 no discipline over there that's it's hilarious the raiders no i mean listen like i said i mean it's the game is it's it's full of violence and it happens unfortunately you know you hope it happens only when in between the lines and and you know before the whistles blown but um it, it's one of those things that happened i mean i don't i don't think you can compare it to the marino situation i thought that was a, a little bit more um I don't know. I just I I thought that was much worse than than Pete. I mean, he shouldn't have been headbutting anybody. We get that, but at the end of the day, it's it's a part of the game. You know, you can't. I mean, you, you can't you can't place and control everything. I mean, you, you try to put you know stipulations in place and set precedent so that you know everything kind of happens in between the whistles, but. It's happened, you know, you move on and, and you play ball. I want to ask your opinion on this. Do you think it's a dangerous, pre- not dangerous, dangerous isn't the right word, but it's an interesting precedent set here now because Zach Kalaros came out and he's been more than once critical of this league. In fact, the last time when he was hurt in Edmonton, he uh, he was uh, he was really ticked off and basically insinuated that there'd be a lot more guys playing in this league if they did a better job protecting quarterbacks. You can't, you can't have a guy come out and do that in, uh, you know, two of the last last three weeks and not face any type of discipline. Mike O'Shea calls calls the refs out, so I think it's now open season. Anybody anybody can say anything about the league. That's how I feel. A dangerous precedent set here. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's I mean, it's less of two evils. I mean, you know, you, you want to protect players and you want to protect quarterbacks out of defenses, absolutely, but then at the same time, I mean, to what degree, you know, you're jeopardizing the integrity of the game that, like I said, is supposed to be as violent and as physical, you know, so it's, it's kind of one of those things, I mean, where you know he's gonna go out there and, and call the league on they're they're gonna follow suit. I don't I don't technically agree with with that happening because then everybody would do it. Then you're just everybody's pointing fingers, you know. So it's kind of one of those things where I mean you got sanctioned, you got fined for it. The guy's gonna lose a game check for it, you know. What I mean, move on. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay, let's get to the game because it was a great game and the Rough Riders beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with their third starting quarterback. And let's be honest, it shouldn't have been that close. The Riders, headbutt penalty kept the drive alive. Yep. Tick-tacky pass interference call kept the drive alive. Uh, first of all, your hero on offense. You know, it's... it's t- <laughs> I mean, you know, the guy's slinging the ball every every play. I mean, you know, you know, there's there's so many of them. I thought the offensive line played ball, but um, Jamal Morrow is just a. I mean, the, he shows up. He's tough. Not the biggest guy. Um, just made some crucial plays. Caught the ball in the backfield really, really well. Um, you know, the. I mean, he's just he's been so good all year. And, um, you know, for him to shine, I think, I think without the doubt, 2-5 two five, two five is my offensive player. Yeah, you're a Waldo warrior. I'll give an honorable mention to two guys. The former guy with the Huskies, Regina boy Evan Johnson, okay. got through that game on Good. one foot when they needed him to. And, uh, you know, he's been much maligned the last little while. I think he's had a pretty good year this year for the most part. Last yes, year yeah. he was called out quite a bit, so nice bounce back for the new dad. And Jake Dolagala. Dude's in his third start and he outplays the MOP. Like, he outplayed Zach Kalaros, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it it's pretty amazing, you know. You know, first of all, before we, we skip over, I mean, you look at a guy like Evan Johnson. You know, those guys never get praise, right? It's always bad when they're giving up sacks, but nobody nobody talks about you know when when the team rushes for two hundred because you know it's all the running backs. So yeah, you definitely Evan Johnson and, and those guys up front in company. But I mean, you look at you look at JD there for for him to be able to go out there and not only manage the game but really take shots and and move the ball down the field. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty darn impressive. It is impressive. Okay, let's get to your special teams warrior, Paul Waldo. Oh, you know, I, I think I'd initially uh, took Mario, and I thought, I thought Alfred had some pretty good returns. Yes, I he did. He, I think he did. I think it's the first time since, was it week two or week three, when he, when he had taken two back-to-back, where I really felt his presence and I really felt him switch the field. I thought he was super consistent. I mean, you know, shout-out to Brett, though. Brett. But he hit four field goals, I think it was, if I'm five, not mistaken. Five. Five. Or, I mean, that's – and you look at him, it's, it's the combination of, like I said, both one that helps – Helps with the field position. The other one that puts puts the points on the board, especially in, in in overtime games. You know, all those points count. So, um, I'll give it to Alfred. But I think I think Brett Lowther right there is is uh, is a close second. Yeah, I agree. He's hit eighteen. Fe- <clears throat> excuse me. He's hit eighteen field goals in a row and hasn't missed from fifty one and in since week one. He's on fire. And think about it. Weeks ago, fans wanted him released. They wanted Dicky fired and Brett Lowther released. I think it's funny how it's a we- it really is a week to week game and how narratives can change. Because look at it, Coach Dickinson has outcoached Rick Campbell and the great yep. Mike O'Shea in back-to-back weeks. He has, and he, and he deserves all the praise he's going to get. I mean, from the from the beginning, everybody knows that Dickie's a, a player's coach. He's, he's just he's a good guy at heart, and he really cares for his players, and he wants what's best. And I think eventually that permeates, and that 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 shows and that shines, and they're finally getting on a roll now, and you know they're playing relatively speaking disciplined football, with the exception of a couple of URs after the play, and. And they're they're rolling now, so it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, it's amazing, hey, because they had ten penalties to Winnipeg's five. They were good going into that game, but they were really undisciplined at yeah, times. They have to clean that up, or it could get ugly in Winnipeg. Okay, your Waldo Warrior on defense. You know, he was the guy I picked prior to the game, and, and he's the guy that made a, a, a very big play early on, and that's Nick Marshall. Um, that interception early really set the tone, I think, for the, the trajectory of that entire game. And for him to do what he does, he's such a ball hawk. I always find that he, he gambles a little too much. He's a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy, but it, it paid dividends. And, and like I said, I don't think the Riders really look back. I mean, you know, they, they essentially maintained the lead for uh, the majority of that game, so it, it was awesome, and I think he started it off. 
I uh, I've talked about this to him to Coach Shivers yesterday. I really like the maturity of Nick Marshall. I wasn't yeah. sure about bringing him back after right. he and Dickinson got into it. Totally, you know what I mean on social totally, media. But yeah. he has come back. In fact, that wasn't his mistake on the touchdown of Wolotarski. It was the young guy Deontay Williams not yeah. knowing exactly where he's supposed Where's to be in the past. It would be bad body language from Nick Marshall, but he uh, went he went down the bench high fiving everybody and he took it on himself. You know, it, it's funny you mention that because you know that was the one thing I noticed about him. Now, you know, giving up a few big ones last year, but um, his body language, his body demeanor, that that tells a lot about he, about a guy. And last year, I don't think he was overly great. And then you know, him and Dicky kind of getting getting into it, you know, over Twitter. But then you know, they re-signed him, and that told me a whole lot, obviously, about who he probably really is as a as a person, more so. Um, and so that that to me was like. Okay, so you know it must be better than what it looks like, and and you could tell this year. You could tell this year in, in the way he's, like you said, this cheers his teammates on. Has been a good leader, so yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, it has. And to think about it, you could speak to this. This dude was the quarterback for the Auburn Tigers when they won the national championship. Like he's a legit legend there. There's he's up everywhere there at Auburn University, like with the likes of uh, yep. would be Bo Jackson and stuff. But check this yeah. out. He comes to the CFL as a cornerback, not a quarterback, a cornerback in a new game. To do what he's done, I don't think we speak of that enough. Well, you don't because, I mean, and it, it goes to show it's not like somebody that was converted, you know, that, that played at a, at a Division three school or yeah. NIA school and no disrespect to, you know, to yeah. that caliber of football because it's still good collegiate football. But, I mean, to do it at Auburn, I think he was the – predecessor of I think Cam Newton. Yeah. I think he was there after after Cam had left, right? So to fill in big shoes and, and to be one of the top top quarterbacks at a school at a program like that and then to all of a sudden convert to I mean it's it's insane. It's insane. I've never I've never heard of that you had some guys, I think Kerry Joseph, correct me if I'm wrong, was a was a quarterback converted or a defensive back converted quarterback or something like that. But mm. um you just don't see it. Yeah, he was a safety and uh, did convert but uh, the other way, which is crazy, too, way, which... which is just as impressive the other way. Hey, lastly, let's give a shout-out here to uh, Kent Majuri. That w- that took a, a brass set of you-know-what. Coach looked at him. Dickie said, are we going for it? He goes, yep. So they start the game with an onside kick, and their special teams were really good, and I don't think we give the special teams coordinator enough love. You don't. Like I said, it's, it, you know, when it when it goes bad, you, you, you blame them, and they, I think they always say that, right? Coaches coaches lose your games, and players win your games. Mm-hmm. So um, they, they don't. They just don't. They just don't get enough love, and for them to start that game like that, that really I think set the tone for for the entire game, especially at home. Um, and yeah, we didn't we didn't really look back. It just showed the confidence, right, the vibrato of where we were at. It didn't matter who we were playing, and we were gonna we were gonna run the table from from beginning to end. This guy here knows football. He knows real estate. I'm gonna keep him on hold. We're gonna talk a little U Sports football because he's involved in that this weekend, and then we'll uh, give him a plug about real estate in a second. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right. Let's get down to it here. Um, I want to read a text quickly. Sorry, let me find this text. Ely with Edmonton punched Micah in Regina this year. Didn't get a penalty, didn't get thrown out, and was later fined. The CFL is sloppy this year with their discipline and consistency. Jeff G in 
uh, Yorkton. Yeah, actually, I'm going to do a little deeper dive into this Tyrese Beverett thing. I just stumbled on an article from Herb Zerkowski. We'll get to that after 5 o'clock. But first, let's continue our conversation with Paul Waldo. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, back with Paul Waldo. We just did Waldo's Warriors. This guy's a three-time Grey Cup champion. You know, when you want to talk Saskatchewan football, this guy's covered the gamut. He uh, grew up in Regina. Laboldis, right, Paul? You betcha, yep. Yeah, then played for the Regina Thunder. Then starred with the U of S Huskies. Then went to the CFL, won three Grey Cups. Then his... Uh, coach the Stars of Tomorrow today with the U of S Huskies, and he's back there, and they got a big game against our own University of Regina Rams. First, let's go back to a thrilling comeback against Manitoba. Tell me about that. You know, we didn't start too hot. That's, that's <laughs> what it is. I mean, we were, you know, fundamentally we weren't very good. It looked like it was our first game. We couldn't tackle on uh, on defense, and, you know, we had, you know, costly penalties and and conversely Manitoba is a good football team so it's, it's a bad combination you know you're, you're playing a good football team and you're not playing overly well and that ends up taking to taking you into a an 18 point deficit going in the, going into the second half yeah uh so you guys did come back talk about the big quarterback because he looked like he threw some nice balls in that game double a yeah i mean he's he's got such a strong arm um like you know you and i have talked about it before you know it's, it's almost kind of like it's it's telling them to kind of reel it in a little bit mm-hmm. to just you know what i mean take your time with it but i mean he the kid has has the skill set the arms and he can move a little bit surprisingly you know so um he's he's we're gonna we're gonna pick up right where we left off. And, yeah, and, and that was kind of the big question mark. So uh, a little bit answered at least for one week. I think you guys showed that championship experience coming back in Manitoba, not a really a friendly place, especially no. early in the season. Manitoba's yep. always good there. Always good. They're always strong, and you know we've it's kind of been hit or miss. With you know there was one year where we went in there and beat them pretty good on a Friday night week one, and then the following year we came back and they they whooped us. So not an easy place to play. Um, and you know when they get up there, a high momentum team, and when they when they get going, they get going. So it was it was tough, but like I said, we we were able to kind of calm down and, and you know play our brand of football and. And nobody panicked. Everybody was pretty composed, and we just we just went out there and did what we did. All right, so let's uh, talk about the game coming up first. Before the opponent, the home opener. That's fun, right? Even as a even as a thirty late thirty something year old guy, you got to be happy yep. being uh, yep. being a coach in the, in that atmosphere. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's uh, it takes you back to your playing days. Sometimes <laughs> it was once there. You know what I mean? It was it was the toga toga night or whatever it was. I, I, I know when school when school had just first started, so it, it's pretty rocking. But no, it's fun. It's always fun to play at home. We um, you know, we we always find a way to I think um, come out on top. It seems like the last couple of years, I don't think we've lost too many games at home, if any. So it's uh, it, it's always fun to play at home and to do it this way. Now, I thought the Rams' offense would be their strength, especially early on, because they've had changes on defense, but it yeah. was the other way around. I thought the Rams' defense played well against UBC. The offense struggled. What are you seeing from the Rams, in particular, on offense for this game? Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, they, they still got playmakers, right? And they, they always have. I, I, you know, I look at that receiving core, and it's been years. Um, mm. You go back to the, the Goldies and Bauman's and Getzlaff's and the Cisco's. I mean, I just think about the guys I had to play against, and they always just had, you know, big playmakers, and then they still do. You know, with with Deshaun Bims and Stusik, and they got they got guys that can that can play and can score pretty much from anywhere, right? So I think you know, looking back at, at their, their game in week one, I think we all kind of yeah, expected the offense to be high powered and the defense to kind of, you know, take take time. But it was it was the other way around. And I mean, I guess you know, with it early being early in the season, the offenses do tend 
tend to take a little bit more time, but they're they're very skilled. You know, they fly around the defense. You know, Coach Gray does a good job of, of of getting them to to be in the right spot. So it's gonna be a challenge. We're gonna have our hands full, and it's always in the rivalry game. It, it's, yeah. it's always. I mean, I'll tell you, it, it it almost it's the it's the the, the bomber rider feel. Yeah. You know, it's it's just regardless of what the records are, um, there's an extra added emphasis because of the emotion. I think, and it's so it's um you know it's gonna be good for the kids. Who do you uh, see winning the uh, the Labor Day rematch? Riders, Bombers, uh, Bombers are eight and a half point favorites right now. I think that's a little high, but I get it. The home field advantage and yeah. everything. Yeah, it's always tough. Um, it's always tough beating a team at the pro level back to back, and especially going into Winnipeg, which I think is probably the hardest place to play in. Um, so you know, I unfortunately I think you know I don't I'm not sure how it's going to go. I think it'll be a close game, but I think they might they might adjust by by a few points there. So we'll we'll see how it plays out. But I think now they should have, they will have, um, you know, the confidence to go out there because because you know we can play with anybody. You know, at the end of the day, beating those beating both the Lions, the top two teams arguably in the league back-to-back with your third-string quarterback, pretty impressive. You don't have to agree with me uh, just for the sake of agreeing, but you know defense. Do you think the Rough Riders' defense is the best in the league right now? I think it's playing the best right now. Like, it has carried, hey, Dolagala's been good. They've got some good uh, performances from their receivers, but let's be honest, the defense has carried the water here. I, you know what I do think? I think they're the most underrated defense, right? Because every you know everybody talks about them being being pretty good, but I mean they've they've been great. When you when you look at what has happened offensively with with our quarterback situation for them to go out and you know even last week it was a, it was a, a bend but don't break type type scenario and that I mean at the end of the day your job is to get off the field and give your give your offense a chance to, to score and win games so you know at the end of the day you know judging by their performance the last couple of weeks I mean I, I it's I, I can't disagree with you I can't disagree with you that they're the top top defense right now playing in the league especially I think I think BC's taken a bit of a bit of a hit with the last couple of weeks so this guy here, you just heard him talk for uh, two breaks for 17 minutes, and this is how it would be if he, he came to your house, because he's come to my house before in the real estate sure, game. Yeah. We talk football, we talk life, and then we get into it. It's a real comfortable talk, because sometimes that can be a nervous process, and it's one of the biggest things you'll ever do is buy and sell a house. So do it with some great hands and a great voice and great knowledge, not only of football, but the real estate game. Give Paul Waldo a call at Royal Page 306-502-5355. Thanks, Paul. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Balsy. Awesome. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go for hour number three. And do I have something for you to back what I've been saying up? Let's get to some of the sports news of the day. San Francisco 49ers have signed defensive lineman Nick Bosa to a five-year, $170 million contract extension. Uh, He's going to be the highest now non-quarterback player in the league. Uh, 122 of that $170 million guaranteed. All-pro defensive tackle Chris Jones of the Chiefs. They're still holding out hope he'll play against Detroit tomorrow in the season opener. Says he wants a raise. He's holding out. Chiefs could have Travis Kelsey playing in the game. He doesn't have an ACL issue. It's a more a bruised knee bone. They're going to try to get him ready for the game against Detroit. Joe Burrow will start Sunday against Cleveland. We're going to have John Ryan on tomorrow. He's busy in town with the President's Center at the U of R with his lovely wife, Sarah Colonna. He will join us tomorrow on the show to tee up the national. 
National Football League. Defensive lineman Carl Nasibu became the first openly gay player to appear in an NFL regular season game in 2021, announced his retirement on the gram today. He is 30 years old, played for Tampa, the Las Vegas Raiders, and started with the Cleveland Browns. He actually... He appeared in three straight hard knocks because he was with Cleveland. Then he went to Tampa. Then he went to the Raiders. And then he went back to Tampa. So he's retired. Um, the CFL Players Association not happy with the league. They felt the players should have been pulled off the field in that game, Edmonton and Calgary, because of the air quality. Uh, the CFL saying the air quality readings were moderate, but the uh, league is very, or the Players Association very upset. Uh, but you have to understand something. They're not flush with cash, so it would have been hard to reschedule that game. They can't even get their schedule right right now, making Hamilton play in three days against Ottawa. So um, let's be honest, and I love the CFL, but they got to get their stuff together. Um, so that's basically what's going on in the world of uh, of uh, everything else. You Jay's, have something juicier Jay's, than that. Jays 5-2 lost to Oakland. We're going to hear from their play-by-play voice, Ben Wagner, before the end of the show. He joins us each week for Around the Horn. Okay, so... Remember how uh, there's been one guy that has said all along that it's pick and choose justice. There's one guy who can you uh, you got the you got the audio of uh, of uh, the broadcast again, Zinger? Because sometimes you need audio. People, not everybody, and it's hard to believe not everybody listens to our broadcast, and I don't know why you're not. But here's what how I called it when it happened. Okay. Kalaros fakes a handoff, backpedals, he's going to throw, and that one is incomplete. I think it was deflected. Oh, what a terrible. Pete Robertson got lucky. He headbutted. He headbutted Zach Kalaros yeah, after the pass be... went incomplete, and that's got to be a penalty. That's going to be a penalty. What a stupid play by Pete Robertson. Zach Kalaros is hurt, too. That was a stupid play by Pete Robertson. Zach Caleros is down. I mean, he might be embellishing it. Let's be honest, but still. Well, be say this is a this is a ridiculous penalty by Robertson. Yeah. So Pete came out said he apologized. He might catch up with Zach later. Although he didn't seem. I think there was a lot of trash talking going on there. Just he doesn't want to. He did what he did. He's serving his time. He's not appealing. Everything like that. So remember what I said. I didn't think that he. I think he should have got a maximum fine, which was half a game check. Like, that's what I think the maximum fine should have been. But he got suspended, which is an entire game check, and he's missing the game. Okay? Because let's be honest. A, Zach Kalaros, he took a headbutt. That's on Pete. But he went down and acted real well. He was a great actor. Oscar-winning performance because he wasn't even hurt. Nobody came to look at him. He walked off under his own power. Nobody looked at him on the sidelines. Their own Daniela Ponticelli reported that. So it's all good there. Then after the game, he baited the league into suspending Pete, basically challenging them to suspend him, that nobody protects the quarterbacks. Nobody protects players. And so they suspended Pete. Well, looky, looky, looky here. Remember, Michael Ball on Twitter said, hey, everybody says, well, you can't bring up when Harris tore a guy's helmet off. That's from two years ago. Or when Brandon Bridge went uh, and got his head taken off by Jackson Jeffcoat. Even Eddie Steele called me out for that on Twitter, saying you can't do that five years ago. Well, I can. But if you want to use actual apples to apples, let's do it. 
Tyrese Beverett lost control and hurt the Alouettes at the worst possible time, writes the great Herb Zerkowski in Montreal. The veteran linebacker, one of the team's defensive leaders, took an unnecessary roughness penalty in the fourth quarter of Saturday's game. <clears throat> Headbutting BC offensive lineman Andrew Pearson after tailback Smoke Mizell was hit for a three-yard loss. Uh, he wasn't kicked out which is what everybody wanted Pete Robertson to be. Oh my gosh, dirty, dirty Pete should be kicked out. And he didn't receive a suspension. Now, later in the article, this is what I can't believe I'm reading. I, I can't believe, I, I can't believe this. It's written, while Beverett likely will face a fine later this week, it appears he'll avoid a suspension. Unlike Riders D lineman Pete Robertson suspended one game for headbutting Winnipeg quarterback Zach Kalaros last Sunday. Quote, this is from Beverett, who is a great football player, by the way. I usually don't like to focus on other people. Maybe this is biased, but that one was to a quarterback. Mine was more in the moment. You see, I didn't mean to hurt that guy. To be honest, I'm smaller than the guy that it happened to. But that's not like me. It's unacceptable. So, so, so because he's smaller than Pearson and because it doesn't involve a quarterback, it's okay. That's how we're going to play it? Is that how we're going to play it, CFL? That's really how we're going to play it. We're going to let a guy walk. He might get a fine, which is what maybe Pete Robertson should have got. And you'll say, well, that was after the play. Um, is a headbutt still not a headbutt? Mm-hmm. Would a headbutt still have the same ramifications on a guy? That's exactly what we've been talking about, man. Pearson's helmet flew off. Pearson's helmet was knocked off. And when I brought this up on Twitter, like, show me your evidence. That didn't happen. You know what? You got a PVR? Watch the game. Herb Zerkowski just wrote about it. He likely will get a fine and won't get suspension. Uh, maybe I'm biased, but that was to a quarterback. I'm smaller, and I didn't mean to hurt the guy. Oh man! <laughs> I can't even believe I can't even believe that's a thing, folks. Please, somebody help me out. Please help me out. The, like, so you're allowed to do this to like small punters and stuff. What I'm saying is what I've always said. It appears. It appears that it is based on your jersey color, and it appears that the only villainous, big, bad, mean team. Is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? Mm. Saskatchewan Raiders. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along. Swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash. With a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a rough rider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Zach Kalaros knew what he was doing after the game. He called, He dared the league not to suspend Pete Robertson. He dared them. He wanted them to look bad. So, 
Good job, Zach. You're a master. You're not only a great quarterback, uh, a greatest comeback story in CFL history. You are an awesome actor and a master manipulator. Okay, unbelievable. You don't get a fine for calling out the league two out of the last five weeks. You absolutely get Pete Robertson suspended. But but I I, I guess other headbutts are acceptable. Now, that's not Zach Kolaris' fault, but what I'm saying is, it's pick and choose justice. So if I'm a Riders coach today, I'm going into the locker room, I'm posting that on the bulletin board, and I am saying, we are the Saskatchewan Raiders. We're the Raiders. It's us against everybody else. The league doesn't like us. Nobody wants us to win, which is hilarious, because we're the ones that keep the league afloat. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Who wants to see the Rough Riders win at home again? I know you do. Elks coming to town. We can absolutely finish off any hope the Elks have for sure next week. But first, we got business to take care of. We need Big Jake the Snake to walk in, uh, outplay Zach Kalaros again, and the Rough Riders win that football game. I got a feeling it's going to happen. But anyway, do you want to pick the score? And do you want to go watch that Rough Rider game? 936-6262-1866-767-0620. We'll load the phone lines up. We know there are a lot of people listening. It's been a banner week here in the sports cage. Let's get to Jake Dolagala while we await your calls. Jake, how, uh, how excited are you to head to the Banjo Bowl this week and take on Winnipeg? Uh, super excited. You know, we'll get another shot at him. So... It's going to be fun. I know the crowd's going to be crazy again. Uh, it's going to be loud. That's obviously going to be a challenge, but um, we're looking forward to the challenge. You know, um, I thought, you know, coming off the win, um, got a little momentum going, and, you know, we plan on continuing that going into this weekend. You got some reps in the Banjo Bowl last year due to the, the illness that this team had to deal with. Do you think that will help going in this this week, knowing, kind of knowing what the atmosphere is like? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, it was hostile last year, and, you know, we weren't at full strength. Um, so this year, coming in the way we are, um, you know, obviously a couple guys went down last week, which, which you know, we'll, we'll deal with. We'll rally. You know, guys, guys are going to have to step up, and um, I think they're excited for the opportunity. But uh, yeah, obviously playing in last year's, you know, Banjo Bowl was, um, it's, it's good. It's good to get that feeling. Can players feel when there's momentum building, two wins in a row now, and you guys have been really impressive on offense the past two weeks? So can players feel that? Yeah, I think so. I think I think a lot of our guys are playing with a lot of confidence and. Uh, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Um, obviously, Kelly's been calling great games, and you know we've been executing pretty much the way we want to. Three different rider quarterbacks have thrown for 300 plus yards in a game this year. What does that say about the kind of depth in that? Uh, well, like I said at the beginning of the year, I think you know any of us could have played across the league anywhere. We could have been starters. So, um, you know, it goes to our coaching. It goes to you know the leadership from Trev and. Um, you know, I think I think guys are just you know we're all locked in. We're, you know, we know the offense really well, and um, you know, anytime any of us get an opportunity, I think you know we're able to make the most of it. What kind of leadership? Or what kind of examples are there of what uh, Trevor is doing leadership-wise? I mean, he's in the room every day. He's giving us different ideas on what he's seeing. Obviously, he's been around the game for it feels like forever. Not, no offense to his age, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just he brings a lot of that. Uh, mentorship and you know it, he sees things slightly different than we see things you know us being younger and um, you know it's great to it's great to have that his advice and um, you know he just like I said he helps every day so does practicing with crowd noise help prepare you for that possible yeah I mean it, it doesn't 
Like I, I wanted them to bump it up because you just you'd rather be over prepared than under prepared in a situation like that. Um, so hopefully tomorrow we'll get a little bit more. Um, but yeah, you just you just don't know. Um, but you know, communication is going to be key for the game. Um, get, getting the play calls in and out. Um, you know, have, having to watch the play clock. Um, but. I think we had a, I think we had a really solid day today with that, um, and just hope to continue that tomorrow. Is there anything else you can do to prepare for that other than pump in some crowd noise? I mean, I I, I really don't know. Um, you know, you try to make practice as stressful as possible, and you know I think we're doing a good job of that, um, especially with our fire periods and, what, and whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, going up, being there last year, um, you know that definitely helps, and uh, you know the crowd noise at practice and, and us kind of pressing a little bit. Um, I think that that's all key to, to our success. As a starting quarterback at any stage of the career, of your career, have you ever faced a team in back-to-back -back weeks? Uh, as a starter, no. <laughs> Who do you think's got the advantage in terms of back-to-back -back weeks, offense or defense? Offensive or defensive? I don't say anybody has an advantage. I think, um, you know, obviously playing them last week, uh, we know what they're going to do. Obviously, they're going to have little wrinkles here and there, and so are we. So um, I'm just, you know, looking forward to the opportunity, and yeah, that's, a, that's about it. Does it make it, does it make it, I don't know if easier is the right word, but easier to prepare for a defense you just had to prepare for a week before? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're obviously going to watch what we, what we did last week, and then, you know, we have another game on top of that. So um, I wouldn't say it makes it any easier. But we have a, a better idea of what what to expect. Yeah. What can you say about the type of guy Pete is to come in here and address his suspension right away with this team? Uh, well, that just shows the leader he is. Um, obviously, he knows he's wrong and he was sorry for it. Um, but you know, he did he did get up in front of the team today and he apologized. And but I think he said it in his interview. I mean, he knew you know we had his back. Um, we were going to ride with him through and through. And uh, yeah, obviously, it's you know it's. It's a bummer that he's, he's out, but I think it was right. Um, you know, we don't need that in this game. And, um, you know, I think other guys are going to get opportunities, and, and I think they're going to make the most of them, too. Yeah, your post-game interview with uh, Britt on Sunday kind of went viral due to the, <laughs> the, the eye level Sorry. situation. <laughs> what, was it, were you just trying to hear what she yeah, was I saying? Yeah, I just couldn't. I mean, Britt's, like, always talking in here, and it, I swear she's whispering, but I know she's not. <laughs> um, but it was still loud. I mean, it was right after the game. It was really loud. So, um, like I said, sorry, Britt. But <laughs> I wasn't I thought, it was pretty, I thought it was pretty funny, too. <laughs> what, what, what did you find humorous about it? Well, just that I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't hear her, and, I mean, that was, like, the first natural thing to do i guess <laughs> <laughs> do uh do you think that you kind of catch defensive backs off guard with how hard you can throw it looked like winnipeg tried to jump some balls and they got there a little bit too quickly for them uh yeah it might have i mean i think ball placement was key in a couple of those throws um especially the one to um to tab and, and to picton as well um you know ball placement's huge in this game and um you know if i keep keep locating like that i think that's going to lead just to our success is that something you kind of have to learn to maybe take a little bit off off of your throw sometimes for receivers or no? Uh, you never want to take anything off, especially um, if you don't need to. But obviously, there's certain there's, there's definitely certain situations where you have to throw a touch ball. Um, but yeah, I guess no. I don't have to take anything off. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't take anything off, man. Let's keep her going. He made some great throws in that game. It didn't look good at the start with his deep balls, but. Uh, 
He's working on it in practice today. Still missed a few, but uh, hey, he's just going into his fourth start. Uh, Mason Fine practice, but not fully with the team. He's off to the side. Philip Blake was back in the offensive line. He can come off the sixth game next week. Uh, way to say it like it is, Ballsy from Tina. Jim says Kalaros appears to be Ambrosi's baby and plays for his favorite team, Winnipeg. Well, he's from Winnipeg, Jim, uh, but he, his favorite team probably is Edmonton. That's where he played. I don't know. I, I would hope Randy doesn't have a favorite team. Uh, almost three hours of this Kalaros hit, non-hit. There's got to be more out there to talk about. Maybe you just like the sound of your own voice on replay, Ralph. Uh, no, uh, I think, I don't know, I think this is the story. where It's all tied into the Labor Day. It's all anybody's talking about is this matchup. Isn't it? We just heard from Jake Dolagala. But thanks for listening, Ralph. I appreciate it. And hey, nobody's making you listen. Um, and Bombers roughing to the passer, helmet to helmet by Lawson on Jake Dolagala was worse than Robertson. Yeah, but I will say that was a football play where Robertson's wasn't a football play. I will say that. I'm not going to compare the two that way. Uh, but to say that Tyrese Beverett will likely only get a fine and Tyrese to say, well, that was on a quarterback and I'm smaller. <laughs> Oh my God! That means punters around the yep. world yep. they can take headshots. Yeah, go hey, for kneecaps. We're gonna hear from listen. We're gonna hear from other than Zach Kalaros. We're gonna talk to Farhan Lalji in Kansas City about the NFL opener. We're gonna talk to Rams running backs coach Dwayne Mason and Ben Wagner from the Blue Jays Radio Network coming up here on the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Back with your sports ticker, it's 5.32, and what a day it is, or what a day it was for Canadian basketball, because Team Canada took down Slovenia today in the FIBA Men's Basketball World Cup in the semifinals, 100-89 was the final, and uh, Shea Gilles-Alexander put together quite the game for himself. He had a game high, 31 points. He had 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. And like I already mentioned, this is the first time ever that Canada is going to the semifinals in this tournament. So, groundbreaking indeed. And Canada will be taking on Serbia on Friday morning at 2.45 a.m. And on the other side of the bracket, the United States of America will be taking on Germany. So, the worst that Canada can do is... A berth in the bronze medal game, so that's pretty good. And, oh, I didn't mention as well, Canada has already punched their ticket to the next Summer Olympics in Paris, France, which is uh, outstanding as well. The first time Canada has been in the Summer Olympics at the men's basketball since the year 2000. Your sports ticker is for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. We're on a rampage. From sideline to sideline, the sports cage has you of Rams football covered. Rams looking for a big second down conversion here from their 41-yard line right hash. Three receivers make it four receivers. Far side left. Shotgun snap to Pelche. He's going near side of the field. Complete the Katende. He's up across midfield, across the UBC 50. Lowers his shoulder. And he's brought down at the 45-yard line. Christian Katende. Yeah, First down. Definitely play of the game for the Rams there offensively. All right, yeah, here with Rams, outstanding running backs coach Dwayne Mason. Before we get to that, you got a gold medal at the U18, not the way you wanted. It wasn't a great ending, but I guess it, it is a great ending. You got the gold, and you guys were great in the tourney. 
Yeah, that's right. So uh, I guess for anybody who doesn't know, there was like a smoke advisory when we were in Edmonton. It was quite bad uh, with, with readings well over 11, if, if that's a thing. Um, you know, we were scheduled to play the gold medal game against uh, Team Quebec, and they had a good squad. It was going to shape up to be, I think, a pretty good game. And, uh, you know, they tried to get the game in. They they had originally, we were supposed to play the, you know, the primetime game. Then they moved it, hoping that the smoke would be less in the morning. And then they kept just moving it all day. And at, at the end of the day, we just ran out of time. And, and kind of one of the downsides of that tournament is you know, everybody's booked in to fly home and return. And there was no sort of like, let's wait a day and try and play it the next day. So Yeah, it's tough, but it was great. You guys put on a great program. So technically four-time champs. It's awesome. Um, week one didn't go the way you wanted, but just your thoughts on, on how that went against UBC. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, the Rams, we opened at home last weekend, last Friday night against UBC. Um, they came to town and they, have a pretty, they had a pretty good squad. We knew that going in. Uh, we weren't totally sure. They had a few guys coming back from injuries, um, you know, and those guys played pretty well. And, uh, yeah, they, they played good. Their defense was smothering. They, uh, their front seven uh, was quite good. And uh, their back end did a good job covering our guys up. And, and we had a bit of a slow start, and we just never really recovered. Uh, offensively, I think our defense and special teams played really, really well. Uh, you know, and so we're trying to pick it up a little bit this week and try and provide a little more consistency. This uh, has a Labor Day feel to it. This game here in Saskatoon always uh, fun. Their home opener, they'll be jacked, and I know you'll be jacked. This is, you know, we always say records go out the window. They really do in this one. Yeah, this is. Uh, if if you want to make the analogy between the the Labor Day Classic and this game for us, anytime we play up there early in the year. Uh, especially this is their first game uh, since school's gone back in. They're treating it as a homecoming game, and you've played up there in some pretty good crowds, pretty good environments. There will be probably, you know, I would guess seven to 10,000 people there. Uh, many of them will be intoxicated, yelling at us. <laughs> It'll be good. Like, I, that's that's what you live for. Those games are great. And uh, our guys will be fired up, and and uh, it'll be a good atmosphere to play in. So basically what you're telling me is Saskatoon for one day is going to be Winnipeg. <laughs> you said that, not me. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, uh, what do you see from their stack defense? Because they do have a great defense. Yeah, their defense is real good. They return some guys in the secondary. Uh, their linebackers are probably the, the strength of their defense. They've just got, you know, probably five or six linebackers that can play on any team in the league. Uh, and their D-line is good. They kind of re-energized it uh, with McCormick, uh, transfer from the Thunder. He went up there. He's a Yorkton guy. He's a good player as well. Uh, you know, and then they mix and match a little bit. They put some of their linebackers down, like uh, defensive linemen, and they're really dynamic and and they're physical. Uh, so we're just going to try to take advantage of a, a few things, hopefully, uh, you know, and, and gain some success and and anticipate a close game, take care of the football. You know, those sort of all that coach speak, uh, but mm-hmm. but it really does matter in these close games. Hey, does does this coaching thing uh, keep you young, Dwayne? I'm not saying you're old, yeah. but uh, you know, we're in the same age bracket. Yeah, it does not keep me young, I don't think. Uh, I really, you know, I think we all love it uh, when we get involved in it. And, and it definitely, you know, it keeps you a little more relevant uh, just being around young people all the time. And, and you kind of get some of that energy for sure. So so hopefully it'll keep me alive a little longer than if I was left to my own devices. Well, uh, good luck, my friend, uh, Friday in Saskatoon. Great. Thanks, Ballsy. Appreciate it. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 
Welcome back to the show. We're going to talk some NFL now in Kansas City with Farhan Lalji of TSN. I just saw this. Um, Mike Williams, former, not the guy who plays for the Chargers, but a guy who played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver, was killed at a uh, construction site at the age of 36. So uh, still more news to come. So that's not uh, great news. Uh, on that somber note, let's head out on the Western uh, Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And that's, you know, in the fall, you don't feel like cooking. You're running around, watching sporting activities. Like tomorrow, you're headed home. Get yourself a nice Western Pizza before you watch the Thursday night game. And it'll feature the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. Joining me is Farhan Lalji. Hi, Farhan. Ballsy, how are you, my friend? You recover yet from what had to be a pretty thrilling, uh, thrilling day at Mosaic? Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. I mean, uh, the whole Pete Robertson thing put a damper on it, um, and I kicked the hornet's nest by my arguments uh, back and forth. But uh, hey, that's what it's all about—getting things going for the Labor Day rematch, which should be a good one. I, I think the Riders have served notice that they're definitely in the talk for a Grey Cup contender. As silly as that might sound, it's six and five, but they beat BC, they beat Winnipeg. Craig Dickinson, who many wanted out, out coached Rick Campbell and Mike O'Shea on back-to-back weeks. So, um, yeah, things are good right now in Ryder Nation. Yeah, as they should be, right? I mean, look, when you asked, when you asked me if I thought they could be Winnipeg and I said no, right? And I mm-hmm. said that because you know, it's Jake Dolagala's first game and, you know, it, it was a, a pick-em game by the end of it. You just, you don't know if you can recreate that. And certainly, um, you know, BC played them a certain way thinking that they would stay conservative because that's what they've done and puts the ball down the field, wins a few jump balls, and you think, okay, well, can, can that keep happening? So to do it against Winnipeg and uh, play as consistently well as he did, I, I, like, I think that's even more impressive to do it back-to-back, right? And now all of a sudden the rider offense looks different because they are able to push the ball down the field. It's pretty clear he's the, the best deep ball thrower in the building, right, mm-hmm. of the guys that, uh, that, we've, that we've talked about to this point in the season. And now he's getting comfortable with his receivers and, and I think as much as anything else, the coaching staff is getting comfortable with what teams are trying to do against them, and they're showing that they're not a bad coaching staff. So um, I, I think it was good. Obviously, the emotion and, and playing at Mosaic and, and the rivalry and all of that added into it. I'm sure it's going to mm-hmm. be that much more difficult to try to do it again in Winnipeg. But full marks to the riders, really impressive. And as you and I know in this league, it's not about who the best team is. It's about who the best team is at the end of the year, right? And who gets on that role late to – uh, you know, you, you can win that way, and, and certainly the riders are putting themselves in position to, to be in that conversation. And health plays a big part, and where the riders took a, a big hit early this year, other teams did too, but now the riders got uh, Philip Blake back practicing. Uh, Mason Fine was working out a little bit, um, and, and of course, uh, Trevor Harris is expected back last two regular season games, so if they can somehow stay in the playoff mix, uh, things could work towards the riders' favor. Uh, I want to talk to you about the NFL Coming up here, and the Kansas City Chiefs against the Detroit Lions. Are you bullish on the Lions like everybody else? Semi, uh, semi, right? Like I, I do think it's a wide open division, and you know, obviously, we expect Green Bay to take a bit of a step back, and I just don't think that the Vikings can win all those one score games again, right? And, mm-hmm. and I don't know that they've improved enough to to expand that gap a little bit, right? So I do think they'll come back a little bit. Um, so Chicago is going to take a step forward, and Detroit should. But will they? And, and I look, I, I, I think Jared Goff's still a game manager. He's got to show me he's more than that. And this team won games offensively because of their running game last year when they got on the run in the second half of the season, and now they've significantly changed that backfield. 
So will it have the same level of production again? So do I think Detroit can win the division? You know, they're a sexy pick to do so. Absolutely, because it's wide open and it's not elite. Mm. Um, but, you know, is Detroit a contender? I'm not, going, I'm not going there yet. Is Kansas City the odds-on favor to win it again? Yeah, I think they have to be, right? And eventually they'll get Travis Kelsey healthy. I think he probably still plays tomorrow just because that's how he's wired, especially now with the diagnosis that the ligaments are all intact. You can't see Chris Jones playing tomorrow, but once he does, they're going to be a different team defensively. And whenever you've got the best player in football, uh, you should be favored to get to the Super Bowl. And on top of that, their division isn't good. Like, we talked about it last year. This division was stacked. Look at all these quarterbacks. Well, look at it now, right? Like, uh, a great year for the Broncos would be seven wins. Uh, you look at um, Vegas, they're going to take a step back. And will the Chargers be the second-best team in the division? Sure. But will they really make noise if they improve the roster well enough not 100% sure they have, so I think because of that, whereas you look at Josh Allen and you, and you look at Joe Burrow, they're playing in two really, really good divisions, and they're going to stumble at some point, and I just think Kansas City's probably got the easiest schedule of those guys, so I, I do think that uh, they've got a great chance to get back to the Super Bowl. I think that uh, Buffalo takes a step back this year. I, I do. I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I don't, especially with what's happened defensively there. Yeah, like I, I could see Miami winning that division. If Tua stays healthy. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And, and I think people are probably more bullish than they need to be on the Jets. Mm-hmm. And it's such a feast or famine team with the Patriots because they probably have the best defense in the division, but they've got the worst offense in the division, right? So, um, you know, I, I still think they're going to finish last because it's an offensive league. But, um, yeah, like, it, look, it, it wouldn't shock me if it, if it turned out that way. And, and they did, in fact, win, as you say. And that Buffalo does take a step back. Yeah. Uh, Miami, Miami's solid, right? And it's it's all going to come down to two results. Let, let's be honest. It's it's it used to be the NFC was tough to get out of. Now it's way tougher to get out of the AFC. Uh, why is everybody so or most people so on the Atlanta Falcons train? I can't figure that out. It's a good question. Uh, you know, a lot of young talent that might be ready to take a step. You know, like can Desmond Ritter be that guy? I was a real big fan of his in college. Um, you know, can he take that step? But and then also, Bijan Robinson getting added to you know Kyle Pitts in a pretty good skill position group. But I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not sold there. I'm not feeling it. But the one thing is that division might be the worst in football, right? Yeah. Like when when you really look at it and look at who the quarterbacks are and where everything's coming out of. You know, you've got uh, you've got the NFC and AFC South. Both of them, you, you kind of wonder, right? Like. Anybody can come out of them because neither division is that good. Yeah, and uh, the 49ers get back Nick Bosa. He should be good to go on Sunday, at least on a pitch count, um, and gets a big contract. He's their best player, and yeah, they're in a bad division too. Uh, you know, really, it's it's the Eagles and the 49ers to, to battle it out, I think. I don't really see maybe Dallas. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think, I think those are the two best teams by far in the NFC. I think Dallas is still a ways away, you know, like, Seattle's better than they were a year ago, but their D-line is still really ordinary. Like, I think they'll be better offensively, uh, you know, with their run game if they can stay healthy. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to finally give them a legit third option. And their secondary is really good. Bobby Wagner makes their linebacking core better, but D-line is still really, really ordinary for them. So, uh, but, it, you know, I, I think the Seahawks are above the other two teams in the division, mm-hmm. uh, but there's still a gap between them and the Niners, right? So... I think they've got a ways to go. So, yeah, you're right. And the reason why the AFC is so much better is, quite frankly, five of the six best quarterbacks in football are in the AFC. And Jalen Hurts is the other one. 
And Dak Prescott isn't. So that that's kind of how the league works, isn't it? Yeah, it is, for sure. Hey, Farhan, enjoy uh, what's going to be a great uh, opener. It always is. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Good luck in Winnipeg. Yeah, it'll be a tough one. There's no that it always is. It's usually a win and a win. That's uh, The other team wins. I'm just hoping for a good, clean, physical game. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Just ahead of that, I want to update that Mike Williams story, the former receiver with the Bucks. Apparently, he hasn't died. He was injured in a construction accident. Several outlets reported he died. The accident was last week. He's on life support. Apparently, his daughter and his uh, wife came into the hospital room. He woke up like he blinked, was crying, and that's it. They're going to take him off life support, so we don't know. Um, so. There you go. It's still tragic. All right. Uh, yeah, let's play ball. The Blue Jays did play ball today. The Toronto Blue Jays lost 5-2 in Oakland. They still won the series, but uh, feels like a missed opportunity. The percentage points, a percentage point behind Texas for the final wild card spot. Um, let's go to the phones and say hi to Ben Wagner on the Western Pizza Hotline, the outstanding radio voice. Ben, uh, take us through the game because Sean and I only watch snippets of it. Well, Hyunjin Ryu had been 5-0 and in his last five times in the rotation for the Blue Jays. And, you know, his fastball command, he had the loudest. I hit on a sinker. Curveball was outstanding. But he got a little bit predictable with the curveball and the changeup mix. And it cost him. It cost him a couple of home runs. And it cost the Blue Jays a couple of home runs. Because Trevor Richards basically did the same thing when he came in in relief. Uh, Ryu certainly wasn't taxed with his effort today. Um, you know, it looked like he might have been able to go through six innings, but the Blue Jays identify these little pockets where they feel that certain relievers match up against these three batters in a certain way. So they make pitching changes. And ultimately, Trevor Richards coming in got a little bit predictable and gave up a hook home run to deep left field. And uh, ultimately, Kevin Smith, who, uh, <laughs> as baseball has a thing, you know, making making former players within organizations come back and sting that prior organization, certainly he did it with a three-run home run. It proved to be the, the big difference today. But I'll say this. You know, you know, the pitching was – pitching gave up five runs. But the pitching was not really the end-all, be-all. The offense, again, took a couple of steps back from pitching that should have been – from an athletic standpoint, something that the Blue Jays thrived on. Um, it was a pretty good ball game. You know what? It was a pretty good ball game, but missed opportunities for the Blue Jays. Again, kind of reared their ugly hit today. But John Schneider, I read the quote after the ball game, said, you know what? You win a series, you're still in really good position. Your percentage points within a playoff spot, now you're doing a lot of scoreboard watching. And if you know if the Astros continue to play the way that the Astros are, plus the, the Rangers are sliding – Blue Jays feel like they're in a really good position. Yeah, I think uh, the last 12, I counted quickly, they were 7-5 and five after today's loss. But you've got the Royals on deck and then a big one versus the Rangers. So everything is still in your hands right now. Yeah, you know, you know what? But it's, and, I, and I see that. I, I looked and I identified this, this Rangers series as being so important. But if you're a really good team, if you're a really like elite team that should contend where people forecasted you to be, 
you look at series and you take advantage in series. And Mm -hmm. the Blue Jays found themselves in this light pocket, Washington Nationals, Colorado Rockies, Oakland Athletics, three of the worst pitching staffs in the big leagues. And you've got the fourth worst of this, this little pocket as well. All in a row, this never happens. This never, <laughs> ever, ever happens. And, I, and I'm a big, I'm a big fan of. It's not who you play; it's when you play them. And the Blue Jays should have been able to take advantage, like sweep a series here or there. Yeah, weren't able to do it, and, and that's that's really the downside from a Blue Jay standpoint. That it really feels like a missed opportunity. And you can look at postseason projections here, and we're going to ride the roller coaster all the way through this every 24 hours that the projections come out because it's going to be maybe a 30% swing from the Blue Jays have a 38% chance of making the postseason to a 68% chance of making the postseason just with one win or one loss. Um, it just feels like it feels like this is the window where the Blue Jays should make up a lot of ground. And taking two out of three, I don't know, is going to be enough when all things are said and done, to be actually the things that will get it done. Hey, I know you have a love for this game, a long-time love, bouncing around the minors. Now you get to be the voice of a professional team. Does it bother you at all that a team like the Oakland A's, probably, most likely, 90%, they won't be in Oakland? Yeah, it does. You know why? Because this is orchestrated. This isn't the fault um, of players. This wasn't the fault of misfortune. This wasn't the fault of something economically within a region and you know look at the history of i'll use a place where i i worked for a really long time i worked in buffalo new york for a really really long time mm-hmm. and that was a boom town that was a rust belt city that was a city that was driven on commerce by the great lakes and that was a, a growing market that positions itself in the 80s to get in even the conversation of major league baseball expansion put in a bid in 1986-87, built a ballpark that was revolutionary, and actually that was the blueprint that Camden Yards and other major league venues were actually sculpted after. So, you know, but Buffalo stopped growing because the economics changed around Buffalo. That's not the fault of, that's not the fault of the Buffalo Bidens. That's not the fault of ownership. That's just the change in, in the economic structure. Oakland orchestrated this. Ownership orchestrated this and Major League Baseball, as we've seen, kind of encourages these these shifts if there are growing markets or bigger opportunities elsewhere to really strip down uh, what is, in, in my opinion, one of the great franchises in Major League Baseball history. You know, the, the logo, the color scheme, and as they say, rooted in Oakland, right? Uh, there are some detractors. I'm not going to lie. The, the ballpark is absolutely terrible. Uh, I visited it and called games there. I've talked with players about it. Chris Bassett and Matt Chapman will be endless, endless uh, sources, you know, about the detractors, even from a home standpoint. But there were there are upgrades, need, upgrades needed, but other teams have figured it out, you know, with supportive ownership and Major League Baseball with that ownership saying, do you want to stay here? So I'm really disappointed in the way things things have gone because this is a team that's not too far removed from one being really competitive with really good players, uh, good prospects, and wins. This is this was a playoff team for a number of years. So yeah, I, I'm really disappointed on how all this has unfolded. And as a fan of baseball and somebody that that tracks this, you know, yeah. I certainly feel the pain that 
that many of those fans that we see chanting in the background feel. Ben, I got about a minute left. I want to get your thoughts. I'm a disappointed Padres fan, as I should be, and we just talked about Oakland. Their longtime manager was Bob Melvin. He was eating Kraft dinner, and now he gets to go eat filet mignon, and it turns out to be the worst Kraft dinner you could ever eat. Like, I, I hope they don't get rid of this guy. Like, this guy, am I wrong? Like, I think he's one of the most respected, best managers in baseball. Just didn't work out this year. Yeah, I don't think it worked out. You know what? And the dynamic in the clubhouse, the the atmosphere, a lot of it, the onus is on the players. Like They have to steer the ship. There has to be a, an amount of policing within the clubhouse where the players have accountability. While so much of the public figure and the, the public voice is the manager, at the end of the day, it's got to be the players that are held accountable. And we see it with the Blue Jays, right? The failures are not on the manager offensively with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Bob Melvin is certainly not somebody that is green in his baseball acumen and overmatched by this job. He's handled superstars before. He's he's managed young bullpens, old bullpens, veteran starters. Chris Bassett, I, I heard an interview with Chris Bassett. He credited Bob Melvin for saving his career coming off the top in John. So that that to me just tells you right up front how important you know the personality is within the room. So for the San Diego Padres I think they have to look in the mirror. They don't have to look at, you know, in the manager's office. I think you have to look in the mirror and figure out, all right, who's going to be the alpha male in the room? Who's going to hold other players accountable? And who's going to make things happen from a Padre perspective if they want to turn it around? Thanks for this, man. It's always great talking to you. Enjoy the upcoming baseball. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great month of baseball. Hold on tight. Take care, bud. That is uh, Ben Wagner joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline to wrap up the show. If you missed any of the show, and it's been a great three days so far, check us out in podcast form wherever you get your podcast. Tomorrow, my buddy Sean Kleisinger's off because it's Casper's second birthday. I see he's wearing that UND hat I got you. He stole it. It's and, his hat now. And I saw the football in his mouth. Yeah, well, chewing everything, eh? I, he went to sleep with it, I think, last night. I love so. it. I love it. Okay. I told him you gotta you gotta tuck it high, high, and the 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 points of pressure on the ball. I said you're not going to sleep until you have the <laughs> correct pressures on the ball. Great parenting. <laughs> Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.